Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is Scorpio Sky, and you are listening to the Keeping It Strong Style Podcast, and it is the best. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get-go, boy Yeah, from Tampa Bay to the Tokyo Dome This is Keeping It Strong Style With your hosts, Jeremy Donovan And the young boy, Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style The ace of podcasts here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Donovan here with the young boy Josh Smith. On today's show, we'll be reviewing Fighting Spirit Unleashed in New York, previewing New Japan Road, answering your questions, and covering all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns over at socialsuplex.com. This episode of Keeping a Strong Style is brought to you by Power Slam TV. Power Slam TV is an independent wrestling streaming service with over 5,000 hours of wrestling from companies across the world. Use the promo code SOCIALSUPLEX to get your first month free. Make sure you check out our Pro Wrestling Tees store, prowrestlingtees.com slash socialsuplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong Style t-shirt. All right, young boy. We got a uh, big question to open up the show. Before you do that, I just want to say, this is the first time we've ever played the actual intro as we started the show through the board. Like, normally we we, we edit it in post, and man, this was incredible. <laughs> this 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 board that you bought is magical. Like Stepping it up, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> We're professional AF. <laughs> well, when, when you're the ace of podcast, you have to have the, the ace gear, the ace performance. Well, at least we we got our uh, production in uh, you know on the top level. I can't I can't say the same for New Japan, but we got our production <laughs> on top level. You know, maybe at uh, least here in the states that is right. Maybe you know Harold can give us a call. We can help set some things up for them. You know, it is amazing that we've never been considered for anything with this company. I mean, we put on a clean show. We we entertain the masses. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we they could have. I would have done uh, English commentary for all three shows this weekend. Oh, I'd be atrocious. <laughs> I'd be so bad. I'd be like, "Who's that?" Oh, he hit that move. Um, what, Kevin? What does he call that move? What's <laughs> Shay's wife's finish again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. What do I always? I always mess up. Uh, oh yeah, I'm like the sling blade, yeah. Jay White. <laughs> 
breathe with the sling blade. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! I got here comes here comes Jay White strap. <laughs> Ooh, jumps on his ass. <laughs> got him! Got him! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh, the Mega Aces making their way to the ring. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But yeah, so we actually uh, yeah, it makes me feel like maybe we should be doing the commentary. It'd be uh, it'd be lit. Test. It'd be freaking lit. <laughs> Uh, so I got a question here from Reddit user Bravo Bravo Tango Zulu says I was going to ask about how likely it was for Dragon Lee to be hired full time, but it seems that that has been asked already. So I'll just ask the most important question instead: Are you two doing well? Why Why are we getting introspective questions right now? That's a little <laughs> heavy for this show. I I like to keep it light. I like to keep it on the lighter side of things. Uh, I don't know. I'm doing all right. How are you doing? I mean, I'm doing pretty good. Bro, I saw uh, you going to the gym today. Yeah. Getting jacked. Yeah, man. Uh, Got to keep the guns going, I guess, for these uh, old ladies that try touching me in stores. Yo, what? Yeah, tell us that story because <laughs> I've, <laughs> I was I was gone all weekend and I, like, briefly caught that. What happened? So I'm shopping at Old Navy. I was in the mall waiting for my, uh, I was getting some stuff done on my car. So I was shopping in the, and I was waiting for that to get done. Who were you there with? Myself. Uh, so, it's, you know, I was, I was waiting for my car to get done. So that's so unlike you. I'm used to having one or two honeys on the side. <laughs> well, apparently there was one trying to, to slide in at Old Navy. So I was at Old Navy in the checkout line, got some new shirts and stuff for work. I'm just waiting in the checkout line, minding my own business. This old lady had to be like late 60s, early 70s, walks up to me and she's like, is this the end of the line? I was like. Yes. And then, you know, I was wearing my uh, AEW Kenny Omega shirt, and all the AEW shirts have, like, the AEW wrestling mm, thing on the sleeve. Yeah. And she's like, are you a wrestler? And I was like, uh, no, ma'am, I'm, I'm just a fan. Why and, don't you tell her, you can check me out on YouTube, John <laughs> Juris. Yeah, I could have I pulled up the John <laughs> Juris, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so, uh, and then she was like, well, do you work out? I was like, yes, I do. And she's, I work out. <laughs> She's like, yeah, I can tell, and, like, touches my arm. And I was just like. And then what happened? And then I was, like, just looking at the cashier. I was like, oh, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, like, he was done. And so, like, I like, booked it to, like, the cashier and, like, started checking out. Yeah. When are you guys going out? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't it, you get her number, bro? Even though uh, I think it was Ricky made a good point, or maybe it was Dan, that she could have been the sugar mama. Yeah, bro. And I'm then I could have used her to fund social suplex. This was a, this was a sugar baby, like, <laughs> opportunity sent from God himself. <laughs> oh, my goodness. See, that's the, that's the thing. I'm the ultimate opportunist. Like, I, I see the opportunity, the silver lining behind the gray clouds. I don't know why you didn't take advantage of the situation. It's Florida. The old, the old women here in Florida, you know what they're looking for. They're looking for Jeremy Donovan, sugar baby extraordinaire. <laughs> she was looking for some dark chocolate is what yeah, she wanted. Apparently. <laughs> and I know, uh, one of my buddies was like, yeah, man, you should have asked if she had life insurance. She said yes and slide in. But uh, uh, You have to get named a beneficiary first. It's, that takes some extensive work. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I was not about that life. Um, I was just trying to buy some clothes Trying to you know upgrade my wardrobe, just trying to get out of there. For those of you that don't, know, that don't know, Jeremy's like the young bucks, just a good Christian boy trying to make it in this world. Exactly. And this this harlot. This yeah. This, this harlot from this, off this, the streets. This uh, this May Young. <laughs> this this Mula. She, she was she was trying to find her her Mark Henry. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> and I wasn't about that. 
Oh my god, yo! Recently, I had to like tell somebody. I was talking to a friend of mine who knows quite a bit about wrestling, but not like the deep histories of it. And I was telling him, I was like, "Yeah, you know, there, there." I was telling about Joshi, and I was explaining like you know the the difference between like Joshi and like American wrestling. They brought up Moolah, and I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> <laughs> and I started telling about like Mae Young and like how she used to stick people up and and all that, and they they were just like, "Oh, are you kidding me?" Like they had no idea. And I was like, "Yeah, man, wrestling the wrestling industry is dirty." Yeah, it's it's uh it's an interesting place for sure. But not in Japan. Japan's full of honor, and fighting <laughs> spirit. Yes, nobody cheating on their spouses at all. <laughs> just a, a nice, nice, clean <laughs> environment. Yeah, no scandals uh, in New Japan ever. Yeah, mm. but uh, all right. <laughs> so um, September is ended. So we have to name our September match of the month and September wrestler of the month. So you know, in the month of September, we had the uh, three destruction, the three big destruction shows: uh, Beppu, Kagoshima, and Kobe. We had the Road 2 shows, the Young Lions Cup. We just had this Fighting Spirit Unleashed in New York show. Does that count for this month? Yeah, it was September. Today is uh, the 30th. Bro, I'm losing track of everything, <laughs> to be honest with you. Like, I'm like, was that this month? Yeah. yeah We're so, still in September? September's yeah. over. Well, today is the 30th. When this episode drops tomorrow, it will be October 1st. Make, wake me up when September ends. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so for the match of the month, we have the IWGP Junior Tag Title match between the Birds of Prey, Will Ospreay and Robbie Eagles, t- against the Bullet Club, El Phantasmo and Taiji Ishimori. Eat it up, ELP, because that's the last <laughs> award you're ever winning on this show. <laughs> I don't know, King of Pro Wrestling, Osprey, ELP. That's could, true. Could, could he can pull out again? That's true. I don't know, man. Liger and Suzuki, they got that's got match that you written all over it for me, baby. Yeah, so we'll see. But yeah, great match, match of the month. Um, a little bit of a down month, but you know, that's kind of what you get when you uh, have this destruction tour. Yeah, that's what you get with destruction tour. But uh, you know, this wasn't no uh, Kenny Ishii that like last year, but oh, uh, yeah, actually, you know what? I think you rated them about the same four and a half, huh? Uh, the the matches from the Kenny match from last year. Mm-hmm. I think you rated that about the same as this match. I have here. to go back and uh, check. Uh, so you're four and a half on this, right? Yeah, I'm four and a half on this. Jeez, man. And uh, Big Dave gave it a four point seven five. He's lost his damn money. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. No, it was a great match though. It actually it was a great match, and so very deserving match of the month. And then the wrestler of the month is one that I think this is a first for our show. That uh, that a young lion is the wrestler of the month. We've never had a young lion win didn't wrestler we, of the month. Didn't we have in uh, December when the first young lions cup? No, no, nope. The winner that month was uh, Lij because it was the same month as the World Tag oh, League. Oh yeah, gave it, we gave that's it to right. Sonata. That's right. Yeah. Plus, plus, there was no one in that tournament that I think really would have won it based off the match output. The match output in this tournament was much higher. Uh, Across the board than that previous tournament Yeah, so this is the first time In keeping it strong style history That the wrestler of the month Is a young lion Without further ado Shota Umino no. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, Carl Fredericks The winner of the Young Lions Cup And you know, you joked about Umino But I mean, he was, he was, up, right there. He was up in the running He had a lot of uh, very good matches In the Young Lions Cup But I mean, Fredericks this tournament was all about him, uh, building him up and getting that big win and kind of being the star 
of the LA Dojo. Here's the thing about that tournament, another testament to why it was so great. When we discussed wrestler of the month, we didn't discuss any like like main roster, I don't for lack of a better term main roster performers. We mm-hmm. only really discussed young lines. It was like is it Fredericks? Is it Umino? Is it Narita? Is it Yumora? Or is it uh uh who's the other young uh Fred, not, uh, not Coglin. No, the other one. Uh, Connors. Yeah, Connors was the other guy. We so I mean, we we weren't talking about like you know Ishii. We weren't talking about Osprey. We we're talking about these young lines. They came to play, and yeah, uh, Fredericks took the big one. He took it all home, and the even greater honor. He's wrestler of the month and uh, keeping a strong style. The month of uh, September. So congratulations, Carl. I know you're listening. Congrats. Yep. Yeah. And uh, before we uh, you think die, Fredericks is listening. Who knows? I mean, a, a lot of people are, are listening to this thing. It, it is always amazing when, when I find out like that, like people that are like much more important than us are actually listening <laughs> to us. Um, like you listen to us. And uh, speaking of people who are much more important, so in four weeks we have the 100th episode of Keeping It Strong Style. Are you telling everybody who? I'm. I'm just giving the announcement that we. We had a special interview. With, I made a tweet about it. We had a special interview with a New Japan pro wrestler for the 100th episode. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be lit. Like no 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 like no lie. Here's how lit it was. I asked Jeremy before we record. I was like, I'm kind of hungry. You want to get some food? He's like, I'm gonna cook. Then afterwards, he's like, Fuck it, let's go out. <laughs> yeah, man. We need to celebrate. Yeah, man. It was a great interview. I'm excited for you guys to all hear that. Just in a few weeks, four weeks for the big 100th episode, we will uh, drop that interview as a part of that week's episode. And man, the episode's gonna be lit. I mean, Junior Tag League, it's gonna be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's a big accomplishment, man. 100 episodes coming up. Also, Bro, congratulations, Jeremy. <laughs> Congratulations to me. It's both of us, man. Well, you're supposed to congratulate me. Like, oh, congratulations, young boy. Thanks, man. And then uh, work hard. we got the uh, Social Suplex five-year anniversary coming up in a couple weeks. Holy crap. And then uh, our two-year anniversary will be at the uh, end of November. So a lot of big milestones that we're reaching here with Social Suplex and keeping it strong style, man. Going strong. Let me look up what a two-year anniversary gift is supposed to be. <laughs> Well, while you're looking that up this week, like I mentioned in the intro, we'll be uh, reviewing Fighting Spirit Unleashed uh, in New York. But as you all know, there was also two other shows. There was the Cotton. Cotton? Yeah, it's the Cotton anniversary. So uh, those of you that are out there, hook, hook your boys up with some cotton. I don't know. <laughs> seems strangely. That seems like a strange gift to get. I'm, yeah. Give us money. Don't get me cotton. That might, that might be racist. That's kind of racist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, so we had um, the Fighting Spirit Unleashed and Loyal show, which happened before the New York show. Going to run down the results of that real quick. So we had Carl Fredericks defeating Alex Coughlin, and yes, his name is pronounced Coughlin. I've been saying Coughlin. Yeah, we've everybody I've listened to has been Isn't saying. Isn't that how you pronounce G H Cough? That's what I thought, but apparently everybody's been saying it wrong. It is Coughlin, not Coughlin. So Fredericks defeated Alex Coughlin. Fuck that boy's name Coughlin. I'm gonna call him Coughlin. <laughs> uh, Lance Archer defeated Ren Narita. Juice nice. Robinson and Mikey Nichols defeated Clark Connors and TJP. Chase Owens and Jado defeated the Rock and Roll Express. Blasphemy. <laughs> Tomohiro Ishii and Amazing Red, the Ooh. team of Red Bull, 
uh, defeated Bushi and Shingo Takagi. Is that what they're calling themselves, Red Bull? Uh, no. Um, That's amazing. What's his name? Um, Andrews from the uh, Voices of Wrestling. That's a great he, name. He, he dubbed them uh, Red Bull. That's a great name. Um, then we have uh, Hiroki Goto, Rocky Romero, and Yoshihashi defeating Gato, Jay White, and Kenta. Then we had the IWGP Tag Team Champions, Girls of Destiny, Tamatonga, and Tangaloa defeated Rapungi 3K, Yo to retain their heavyweight titles. There goes my theory. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's hopes and dreams just flushed down the toilet there. I, I was so happy to see this, too. Yeah. Uh, all that build, all the build, all the review. Yeah, dude, all that build, like, they didn't even put this one on the show that aired. <laughs> anyway. Gato said, I got your money, kid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then the main event of the Lowell show, we had um, Kazuchika Okada, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and Kota Ibushi defeating Tetsuya Naito, Sonata, and Evil. Tanahashi pinned Naito. Loser. Geek. Get this man out of here. Well, okay, first off. First off. How is anybody supposed to stand up to the power of the Golden Mega Aces? Come on, man. Dude, they lose like every tag match. Yeah, but they never had Kota Ibushi before. The Golden Mega Aces is the ultimate trifecta. Mm. That's like that's like um, War Games 95 when um, the Dungeon of Doom had to go up against Sting, Hogan, Luger, and Savage. Like, what? <laughs> Who Who's going to defeat that team? Yeah. So, yeah, so that super team there. The, what do you uh, think that actually means, though? Okay, so two, two talking points before we move on, because I think these are both uh, kind of important. Um, I know you just brought up Tamatanga and Tangaloa retained their titles. Ha, are there any reports? Like, did, they, did is this the blow-off to the feud? Is this it? Is this what we build to? Well, I mean, based on... Or are they going to continue? On New Japan Road Tour, they're not facing off against each other, really. Oh, my God. So I think this was <laughs> a blow-off. Why did they even do that? I guess it's to set up this match. But no one saw it. Just a live audience, yeah. Jeez. Okay. <laughs> and then, um, so Tetsuya Naito. Okay, so here's the thing, though. Naito losing makes a lot of sense because Sonata and Evil can't take that. Right, yeah. I was, I was just joking around. Well, but, no, uh, I was listening to Observer today, and he mentioned, he was like, oh, they only do things like this when it really matters. There's a story here. And I know we talked a lot last week about stories, but... um. I don't, I don't think there's a story there. Well, I, well, the story here is Evil is facing Sonata for the IWGP title. Evil's not facing I mean, Sonata. I mean, excuse me. Sonata is facing Okada for right. the IWGP title, and Evil is facing Kota Ibushi for the contract. So that's the story. They have two huge matches. Naito's not doing anything big at King of Pro Wrestling. Here's the one interesting thing, though. They have defeated a lot of the guys on the Golden uh, Mega Aces side in recent matches. So they could have hypothetically beaten anyone. Well, at least Ibushi. Right. Uh, but even more so. Well, they could have beat Tanahashi. They could have really beat Tanahashi if they wanted to. That would have been a, And Naito really, they could have put Naito over Tanahashi. So that is interesting that Tanahashi pinned Naito. Or they could have put Evil or, or Sonata over Tanahashi. That, that too. Yeah. So. Interesting. Which makes you think maybe Tanahashi is going to be in play for this uh, mini tournament. I told you all. <laughs> Naito, they're taking him to the bottom. So they can resurrect this man. He's the Undertaker right now. <laughs> Dead man walking. He's like a pyro in WWE, making a, making a blazing comeback. It's coming back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know it's funny. We, like we never have pyro, and no one cares because you know the wrestling's just that fantastic. We don't need pyro. The pyro's in the ring. <laughs> the smoke is in the ring. We with the smoke. Yes. Um, so next up we had the fighting spirit unleashed in New York show. And this is the show that aired live on NJPW world on Saturday night. Yes, I did. Um, 
you know, I was all excited. It was Saturday, some live New Japan Pro Wrestling. Fired up my uh, NJPW World right at 7 uh, p.m. Eastern time. I'm like, all right, here we go, 7 o'clock. Let's get this thing started. Little delay with the stream start. I'm like, you know, a lot of people on Twitter are like, man, some, something going on with the stream. Like, what's going on? We're, we're logged in. Like, the next thing you know, it cuts to uh, Miano, Milano, and I don't know the third guy's name, but he he has a glasses. Um, so all three of those guys, they're t- obviously they're talking in Japanese, have no idea what they're saying, but, you know, they're, they're the commentary team for the show. Um, luckily, we had uh, Chris Charlton at Reason JP kind of giving some translations of what was kind of going on, and then you you know that you find out they're talking about you know the show is being delayed, and Yana or Milano's making commentary. You know, guys like Narita, they might this might rattle them with a, a show being delayed and stuff like that. And so it's like, all right, show's delayed. Then they're saying technical difficulties, and it just keeps going. It, it's seven thirty. Seven forty-five. Getting agitated by just your, <laughs> your recollection of it right now. Is yeah, show is not started. People in the building are freaking out. People on Twitter are freaking out. Want to know what is going on? Every so often, they keep cutting to Yano and Milano and the commentary team um, until finally it was like after eight o'clock. They cut to in the arena. The vice president comes in the ring. Um, you know, English is not that great. He's like, he's crying. Yeah, pretty much. He was, like, apologizing to the fans and, like, sound like he was about to cry. Uh, luckily, um, our good friend Rocky Romero came in there, made the save for this man, got the mic and hyped the crowd up and gave away a bunch of free T-shirts, which um, our buddy Zach Porter, friend of the show, was there. He uh, caught one of the Fighting Spirit Unleashed shirts. Nice. Uh, I hope he gives it to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, Zach, if you're listening, I am joking. Like, I feel like... Me saying that he'll actually give it yeah. to me. Don't give me. I'll that. check the mail tomorrow. I don't, I don't want that shirt. That's uh, your shirt. But yeah. So and then I see a thing on Twitter going around. People are talking about oh, it, an ambulance is stuck in traffic in New York traffic, and that's why the show has been delayed. And hmm. which we know we were in New York WrestleMania weekend, and we know um, you know the, the Sport Athletic Commission they mandate that a uh, wrestling show has to have uh, paramedics at the beginning of the show because remember we were at the WrestleCon Super Show. And it was delayed because the ambulance was not there and not in the right position. And that show was delayed. I believe it was delayed, what, like 30 minutes or something like that? I, I honestly don't remember, to be to be completely yeah. honest. I don't but remember it was so, Something like that. So so we know that thing in New York's a, a true but, thing. But I do remember that. Yeah. And so, you know, everybody's talking about this ambulance story and trying to figure out what's going on. Um, and then it broke that apparently somebody canceled the ambulance that was supposed to come. So I'm going to read, um, this was from the daily update on uh, figure4wrestlingobserver.com. So the short story of the story as to why the New Japan show at the Hamstand Ballroom started 90 minutes late. The ambulance story is pretty much legit, but it's far more than that. The company that usually provides ambulances for the building was called the morning of the show to say it was canceled. Those backstage found out about 5.30 p.m. and ended up getting an FDNY ambulance to the building in time for the for the show to start the athletic commission rep said if there was a shooting nearby the ambulance would have to leave and wouldn't accept it or allow the show to go on a second fdny ambulance came out and was the same story two other ambulances ended up being brought in so at one point there was four ambulances there at this point the two fdny ones left since the commission wouldn't accept them then somebody tried to tell one of the ambulances a commission person that two weren't needed and one on the other and one of the other ones could go. But those associated with the show asked, what if somebody 
needed an ambulance, and thus, with only one, there wouldn't be one there. And the commission said they would have to stop the show at that point until the ambulance got back. So they kept two. They, <laughs> yeah, so they also had four doctors, three more than necessary, on their own, including one that spoke Japanese. At the time the video played, the two ambulances were there, but the commission would not let the show start until they were in the back of the building and a stretcher was in the building as they were in front of the building when they, they wanted to start the show and were told they couldn't. NJPW was also told the barricade couldn't be used to throw wrestlers in, no fighting outside the ring, no tables, and no blading. For union reasons, the show was supposed to end at 11 p.m. and were told even with the rushing, with them rushing the show, New Japan decided to run overtime, even with the added costs. They're in the Hammerstein, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a very expensive building to run. Um, <clears throat> so, and uh, where did this report come from? So this came from F4WOnline.com, uh, WrestlingObserver.com, from their daily update from Saturday. From Saturday. Okay, because I listened to the latest um, Observer, and it, Dave had said different things than this. I, th- I think this came out after the Observer. After, okay, yeah, because yeah, he'd mentioned that they were told that they could blade, even though nobody did blade, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then uh, he also said that they that he had heard other stories. Right, and yeah. Th- th- I, that, heard th- I heard that, that episode, too. Have, like, yeah, that came out in the, in the morning, Sunday morning, and then uh, Sunday night the Daily Update came out with this uh, updated information. Okay, interesting. Um, this sounds like a mess. Yeah, hot mess, dude. Um. Got a question here from Twitter follower at Aman267-66489. Do you believe the rumor that maybe ROH was behind the ambulance incident and maybe NJPW is cutting ties with ROH? <laughs> and then a question from a friend of the show, Dan Coffin, who canceled the ambulance? <laughs> oh, man. So, Josh, we have a bigger mystery than the mole and chaos. Who I- canceled the ambulance? I got an answer to the Mullen Chaos. You do? Yeah, I no, I got one. Like it's not my theory. I, I asked directly. Um Rocky Romero was doing a QA on Instagram and I was like, whoever was that Mullen Chaos? And he was like, never was one. JY was just starting shit. <laughs> 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 Which I thought was mad funny. Um so um yeah, this whole thing is Bro, this is freaking ridiculous. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I have heard those rumors, um, and it seems to be a predominant one, but is there any validity to it? I'm not saying I believe it, but have you? I, I have not seen any serious reports stating that Ring of Honor was the one behind this. I do know that. Uh, I saw I saw someone that was pretty reputable say that they had heard that a certain personnel from Ring of Honor was the one who made You're talking about the Velvet Sky thing? Yeah, they said it was a joke. He was being sarcastic. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's why. That's why I don't collect all this information. Right. It was um, Casey from the uh, Squared Circle Sirens, I believe, is that site. He, that's right. That is who I saw from. And yeah. I was, and I was like, Squared Circle Sirens, they're pretty legit. Like, yeah, because we, kn- um, we know them. Murray dropped it in the group thread, and then I was like, Hmm. I was like, but it it didn't sound like it was real, but it right. came from someone who I consider to be pretty reputable because almost everything they report. Is legit. Right, because he said he was like, the original tweet was like, Velvet Sky wasn't on the ROH show today because she was too busy calling an ambulance or uh, canceling an ambulance or whatever. That's pretty funny. And then he followed up. He was like, oh, my gosh, I was being sarcastic. This is on Reddit now. <laughs> 
and everybody's like, "Why did you tweet that?" Like, we know we know you. Everything you tell is news. He's like, "I was making a joke." Everything I, he says is news, though. Like, <laughs> I get that as a joke, but that is pretty. That like I saw it, and I kind of thought it might be news, but I also took it like with a grain of salt, and I was like, ah, uh, "Is there validity to this?" And I just uh, put it in the back of my mind, forgot about, it, and then brought it up on the show live on the air. Great journalism. <laughs> so yeah, I mean. I don't know. So there's also a tweet from uh, Gabe Sapolsky. If you guys don't know, Gabe is the booker of Evolve. He's also a part of the NXT uh, writing staff. Um, also was a part of Ring of Honor back in the day. And Gabe pretty much to some of his tweet was saying, you know, this is some like indie carny stuff you would see back in the day with promoters stabbing each other in the back. That's like, true. This is ridiculous. Let this happen. Like there's somebody like this needs to be like taken care of. Like there needs to be, there needs to be an investigation. Okay. Devil's advocate. It literally could have just been an oversight on New Japan's part. Literally. It literally could have been. No no outside party necessarily had to be involved for this to um, occur. And that is a reasonable explanation for what could have happened here. We don't know that that's the case. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying let's, let's, let's not jump to conclusions. But it is telling to me if a guy that's as connected in this industry as Gabe Sapolsky alludes to the idea that someone might have done this and you know who knows maybe he's just tweeting and he doesn't know anything or maybe he does right but um i don't know that's that's an interesting idea and he's absolutely right that sort of stuff used to happen in this industry all the time so with the current like landscape of the wrestling business and the stuff that's been going on and and the changing of of the tides with all these different promotions i wouldn't pass i wouldn't put it past another company uh, especially one that's familiar with the rules and regulations in New York from doing this. Right. And I think, you know, a lot of people are pointing the finger at Ring of Honor. First of all, New York, or <clears throat> excuse me, New Japan is coming in their territory in three buildings that uh, Ring of Honor runs all time without them. So a lot of people are thinking, oh, maybe there's some heat there. There haven't been, you know, fa- uh, the World of the Rules tour with, with CMLL, not New Japan. So. People have been speculating that there's heat there between Ring of Honor and New Japan. They don't need to speculate. I saw Joe Koff. He did an interview this week. He said, everything is fine, and I believe him. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the, the ROH-New Japan relationship is fine. fine. Uh, so, yeah, I mean. We don't know. I mean, at this point, no one really knows. But, um, you know, ah, man, I hate to. Okay, a couple of years back. <laughs> A couple years back when um, the Roman Reigns experiment was not, like, working in uh, WWE. Still not working. And it's still... (laughs) It's still not working. There there was a thread that began. um, I think it might even still be tagged on uh, on our Facebook page, and it gets updated all the time, just literally detailing every single false, like... Mistake every bad, yep, yep, bad it's move. yep, it's there in the uh, wrestling squared circle. I think it's like our number one pinned thing that we have. Like, on the <laughs> um, are we, we might need to start doing that for this Western expansion because it's like move after move after move after move. There is something wrong, and it's like I wish we could go back to the early days when they did their first ever show in Long Beach and people were complaining. Like, I wish we had that kind of. If that was the only kind of issues that we had were, like, those early issues that people had during that, like, telecast. Yeah, I, I wish Billy Gunn was our biggest problem right yeah, now. Yeah, I wish Billy Gunn, <laughs> Billy Gunn was our only problem and Jim Ross being a bad commentator for this product were the only two, like, big issues that we had. I wish that was it. 
but um, there are much deeper issues yeah. um, with this, you know, Western expansion. And, um, you know, even though, who knows, maybe something unfortunate happened to New Japan in this situation. Maybe something unfortunate was, maybe they made it an unfortunate oversight. But in either case, they can't afford to have this kind of oversight. And whether somebody perpetrated this against them or not, the truth of the matter is, Jeremy, the responsibility falls on New Japan, period. You cannot go into a foreign country and, well, I don't want to say foreign country, you can't go into any city and charge for a show like this and say we're going to put it on the air and make it this big deal and then have a 90-minute delay regardless of whether you're at fault. WWE would never have this happen to them. Never in a million years would this ever happen to a major league company like WWE. Yeah. Um, the UFC, this would never happen to the UFC. This would never happen to, to, to any major sporting company or concert venue because they would hire someone to do the research to figure out what they need in that city to make sure that they had the show go on without a hitch. And um, I understand that it, it could be like a cultural you know, difference. They might not know necessarily, but like, that's why you hire people. They have to hire people to make sure that this sort of thing but, doesn't happen. I mean, it sounds like they they had what they they had everything set up though. I don't know. I mean, maybe. I mean, who knows if this this report is one hundred percent accurate or not? I mean, it sounds sounds good, and I'm not one of those people who's always like, you got to take Dave with the same grain of salt because <laughs> I know Dave. Obviously, we know Dave is very very. Um, you know, the reports that they they put out there, especially this kind, are usually pretty spot on. Yeah, but even still. Then why didn't the do you think the sport do you think the athletic commission was just like paid off or has like uh, their own vested interests with other companies and they don't want New Japan there because I mean that was a problem when the UFC first tried to go to New York mm. and they were blo- they were barred for a long time so I wouldn't put it past it's not like the New York State Athletic Commission has never had a story like that come up against right. them it has even still as New Japan you can't have this sort of thing happening you just especially after the visas. After <laughs> after yeah. everything that's happened yeah. this year, um, you know the low attendance for the show and the, uh, super, the super J Cup uh, production and you know being delayed so long, losing the elite, <laughs> <laughs> just but literally just all all the issues that have gone on this year with with their Western expansion. This is just another tumultuous and negative thing that's happened, and it's unfortunate. And I. I would like to hope that New Japan, this wasn't um, their fault. Maybe it was an outside group that did it to them. But even still, like, you have to put yourself in a position where that can't happen to you. Yeah. You just have to. Like, you're, you're a major company. You're the second largest wrestling company in the entire world. And it, it comes off as, as like, low-rent, minor league, shindy sort of bullshit. Yeah. It's bad. Well, now that we've discussed the the whole ambulance dilemma, now we could actually talk about the actual show. Which once the show started, yeah, once it started, it ended up being a pretty good show. It was, it was a great show. So we opened up with uh, TJP defeating Ren Narita via submission. I thought this was a very good opener. The crowd was super into Ren Narita, big Ren Narita chants uh, throughout the match. Um, big heat for TJP. We've talked in the past about. Just kind of the, the heat that TJP gets and just kind of coming off as a very unlikable guy. And um, so the crowd was, uh, you know, totally against him. And I thought TJP gave Ren Narita a lot in this match. And 
I thought it was pretty big that Ren Narita, he kicked out of the detonation kick, which is one of TJP's finisher, and he escaped the knee bar. Um, uh, TJP had to bust out the regal stretch in order to submit Narita. I liked Ren Narita coming out with the L.A. Dojo colors. Oh, yes, that's right. The uh, He had the LA, L.A. Dojo Tron and the L.A. Dojo music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like, yeah, forget forget the New Japan Dojo. Shibataism. Well, this man, yeah, this man's a Shibata uh, disciple now, which is great. Um, yeah, this match was really fun. Um, w- did you think that the crowd reactions, because this crowd was really behind Ren Narita. Yeah, huge Ren Narita chance. Huge, yeah. Um, but with TJP, like, did you feel like it was the crowd playing into, because he was healing it up in this match. Yeah. Did you feel like that that was them playing into it, or do you think it was genuine actual like dislike for TJP because at some points it seemed like a mixture of the two. Yeah, I think I think it is a mix of the two and I feel like most of the indie bookings that I've seen, I feel like he is working heel. Um I haven't really seen much of his impact stuff. On impact it kind of looks like he's a tweener maybe. I'm not 100% sure. TJP is an impact? Yeah. You know I did not know. <laughs> yeah, he's been doing a lot of impact shots. He's been on their TV tapings or pay-per-views. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's but, it. That's interesting. But I don't think he's like an exclusive contract with them, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel like, and then when he left WWE, he was a heel also. So, yeah. Well, you know, his evolve run as a heel was incredible before yeah. he got signed. So that it's, I'm not too surprised by that. But um, you know, it's just hard for me to get a take on whether this is genuine distaste for him or if it's just the crowd, like you know. Playing the part and you know he's the heel And it kind of at some points seemed like Half and half like it seemed like Certain points the crowd really disliked him And other times they were just kind of like You know giving him the obligatory boo Because that's what he was you know working for Right. But um, ultimately I thought this was a really fun match The first match Of Ren Narita's foreign excursion Here in the US Yeah that's right and that we we're going to talk about in the news That came out after we recorded last week That uh, Ren Narita and Chota Umino are now on excursion. Narita, you know, there was a backstage promo where he approached uh, Shibata and asked to be trained by him. And Shibata said he's going to build him from the ground up, show him his pro wrestling. So uh, Narita is now part of the LA Dojo and will be um, wrestling in the U.S. for the time being. And uh, Shota Umino will be going over to the U.K. Yep. Last couple thoughts, you know, one thing I just really enjoyed watching how over Narita was with this crowd. And every time he had a hope spot... They they were buying into dude, it, dude. They, I they were buying into it like he was gonna upset TJP. Dude, the two false finishes got me with the detonation kick. So I'm like, oh, that's his like you know his secondary finisher. He's gonna put him away with that. And he kicked out. I was like, what? Mm. And then he escaped out of the knee bar. I was like, what is going on right now? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. So great stuff between these two guys. I want more TJP in New Japan. Yeah, me too. Where, I know. Where, where were you on this one? Uh, like three and a quarter. Good match. Good yeah. opener. I know a lot of people. There's a kind of mixed. Reactions on wanting more TJP. I want more in TJP. I hope he's in the Super Junior Tag Tournament. I hope he's in Best of Super Juniors next year. I hope he becomes a regular uh, member of the roster. TJP, we want you and we like you. <laughs> uh, you ever seen that? Uh, wasn't that is that from a promo? No, it's yeah. from something else. <laughs> it's from. Uh, I'll have to show you out yeah. there. I can't talk about it. Out there. <laughs> uh, so, so moving on. So we had Lance Archer. Taking on Carl Fredericks. Lance Archer got a huge ovation. The crowd singing along with the Everybody Dies uh, theme song. 
this guy Archer, the G1, has turned him into a superstar. He's starting to get some more indie bookings here in the States. I saw he's going to be at uh, Beyond Wrestling, part of the Uncharted Territory show. That's been getting a lot of buzz lately. Name a better big man. Uh, exactly. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Archer's killing it right now. I, bro, yeah. Archer is the freaking man, bro. Yep. So uh, he defeated. I want to see Archer and Bulldog run it. And uh, Dave Boy? Yeah. Oh. That would be interesting. Blood sport. <laughs> Ebor City. <laughs> yeah. April. Run it. Yes. Uh, Bulldog will fuck him up. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is they don't have any ropes at Blood Sport. So. Yeah. Man can't do rope walk, can't flip, dive. <laughs> uh, but he can do that claw, though. That's true. Uh, but, yeah, Archer defeated Carl Fredericks here in a pretty good match. This man, Archer... Did the rope walk and did a moonsault, almost killed himself, landed on his, pretty much almost landed on his head, trying to moonsault off the rope walk onto our Carl Fredericks. Onto our Carl Fredericks? <laughs> I said onto, onto Carl Fredericks. Oh, I thought you called him R. I was like, dang, we are taking ownership of Carl Fredericks <laughs> at this point. Uh, no, nah, he's not in the, the, the Kiss Dojo just yet. He's still in the uh, LA Dojo. But yeah, and... Uh, Archer doing a lot of his other big signature moves, the uh, the derailleur, that pounce move, and it's looking really good. Frederick did have some kind of uh, some time to shine and kind of come back, but essentially this was all pretty much Archer, as it should be. You know, this was this was a good uh, experience for Carl Fredericks to work with a bigger guy like that, kind of get some uh, some reps in, but um, ultimately Archer ate him alive. Yeah, hit some of a uh, big choke slam, uh, lifted him up after two, and locked on the EBD claw. In all fairness, though, both guys were hitting really hard in this match. It wasn't like a, a blow-away match, but uh, the strike exchanges were really good. Yeah. So, yeah, Archer hits that, uh, that EBD claw and got the pin on off of that, and good matchup there. Then we have uh, Mikey Nichols and Juice Robinson. They uh, defeated uh, Alex Coughlin and Clark Connors. I saw you come around a little bit on Mikey Nichols. Yes, dude. He finally hit... A good blue thunderbomb. <laughs> it was actually pretty awesome. Like it, I popped. It, it was a good blue thunderbomb. It was uh the only thing was it was really tight and compact. It what it didn't get that rotation and air that I'm used to seeing like a like a Sami Zayn like or a John Juris. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> or like a Junakiyama. But uh even with that being said, it was it was you're right. It it was pretty impactful and it was it was nice to actually see someone, you know, get hit with that move correctly. For Mikey Nichols. Yeah, if he keeps doing it like that, then I'll have no complaints. And my God. <laughs> Keeping yeah. it strong style as Nichols. <laughs> Maybe he can win a uh, Wrestler of the Month at one point. He's never even been considered. Attention. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, World Tag League, maybe. Maybe that'll be his month. Mikey Nichols is going to be in contention for uh, Newcomer of the Year. Yeah, he will be. What do you think his chances are? Not good. <laughs> <laughs> uh so, yeah, I mean, this was a pretty good matchup here. Uh, Young Lions, I mean, the L.A. Dojo Young Lions, we keep, you know, harping on the point how good those guys look. Um, both Connors and Coughlin looked really good here in this match. This was fun. Um, you know, short eight-minute match, and uh, everybody hit their stuff. It looked good. Crowd was super over for Juice, um, super hot for Juice, you know, and the New York crowd. But um, ultimately, Nichols and Juice pick up the win. Yep. So then that brings us to the next match where we had the Bullet Club consisting of, well, it's actually the uh, Gorillas of Destiny and Jado teaming up, and they defeated Rapungi 3K, Rocky Romero, Show, and Yo. 
Were you surprised by this? Uh, not really, considering that G.O.D. won the tag title match the night before, and it kind of seems like that was the blow-off, and so you're just kind of driving it home that uh, Bull Club was winning this feud. I agree, except at the same time, Jada was there. That's true. And so that's why I was a little surprised by it. I was like, yeah. oh, you know, a uh, chance for these guys to get their heat back a little bit, you know? But no, not so. Yeah, and this was another uh, good back-and-forth match here. We had some uh, Bull Club shenanigans with uh, Jada using the kendo stick and, um, you know, some normal kind of cheating stuff. We saw the uh, the titty twister from Tamatonga at one point in the match and those guys just kind of healing it up and cheating. Uh, but essentially it kind of came down to the end where they hit that uh, super, like, gun stun where, like, Tangaloa had a, uh, I think it was, was it Yo? That he had up in the power bomb and, like, threw him and then uh, Tamatonga caught him with the uh, gun stun to get the win there. Yeah, and it makes sense. Because actually, I think it was uh, on Romero, actually. Mm, gotcha. But, yeah, but it was a, a great-looking uh, gun stun, and uh, Bullet Club gets the win here. Yeah, I mean, um, G.O.D. continues to truck along in, uh, you know, what I would call, like, an, a career year for that tag team. I don't think they've ever had this much success in any other calendar year, as many good, you know, showings. and uh, Right, and I think... popularities at a top level. Yeah, I would say, yeah, they're as over as I can ever remember them being. You know, normally, you know, when the Bull Club, a lot of the popularity came from the elite guys, but uh, G.O.D., Tamatonga, Tangaloa, those guys, um, pretty much every, we mentioned it now, every, like, U.S. show they're on, they get huge pops, the crowd singing along with Ain't Nobody Realer Than Gorillas and Too Sweetin', and so, yeah, these guys are having a fantastic year. Uh, yep, absolutely. And we move on to the match of the night. <laughs> <laughs> As The Rock and Roll Express. They teamed up with the ace of the universe, Hiroshi Tanahashi, taking on the team of LIJ, Bushi, Shingo, E, Naito. Yeah, this was a very fun match. I mean, only in 2019. I really enjoyed this match. Only in 2019 can you have the Rock and Roll Express teaming with Tanahashi to take on Bushi, Shingo Takagi, and Tetsuya Naito. Not only that, only in 2019 can you have Shingo Takagi putting the heat on (laughs) Ricky freaking Morton. You have Ricky Morton in a New Japan ring in New York. Playing Ricky Morton. <laughs> yes. <laughs> playing the face in peril. The, 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 literally the role that he made famous. And, uh, you know, you've got this freaking bruiser and Shingo in there with him. And it's just like, what am I watching? Like, this is one of those matches that, like, you know, uh, there there was one afternoon we were here and we just were playing matches that you never knew actually happened. Like, bizarre matches like Bob Backlund versus Hayabusa. Stuff like that. You're like, <laughs> yeah. what? That, that happened? You know, uh, Kamala versus Daniel Bryan. And you're like, what? Yeah. This is, that's what this is. It's like, why are the Rock and Roll Express taking on freaking LIJ? <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. It's great. Yeah, we had some great uh, trio spots. We had a, a triple drop kick from the Rock and Roll and Tanahashi. Um, huge suicide die from Ricky towards the end there. Bro. <laughs> Bro. Nakanishi needs to take a lesson. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Rock and Roll Express, man, for their age, man, they they looked pretty good in this match. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean, they can kind of still go. I mean, they can do a really basic, fun, basic match. Um, and for their age, they can definitely go. And they'll throw in, like, you know, they'll throw in a destroyer here or there. And you're like, what the heck? Yeah. You know, it's great. 
So yeah, ended up being a great match. Uh, Tanahashi hits the high fly flow on Bushi to get the big one, two, three. Uh, rock and roll and Tanahashi get the win. Also, uh, Tiger Hattori was refereeing this match. This was uh, going to be his last time refereeing in New York. This was kind of his uh, U.S. retirement tour. And it's his hometown. Yeah, that's right. He lives in New York. And um, so they had like a big like ceremony for him after the match and they had some flowers there for him, and Tanahashi was crying. A really uh, emotional moment there. Big uh, chance from the crowd for Tiger Hattori. Absolutely. One thing, too, um, they've been putting over Tanahashi a lot on this tour. Do you think it's because he just suffered that big loss to um, Zach, and they're trying to heat him up for any reason? Because the one thing that's got me kind of puzzled about them giving him so many wins is, like, at King of Pro Wrestling, he's in a multi-man on the second match of the card. So what is it that they are, you know, rebuilding him for? Maybe that mini tournament, man. Yeah, that's far away. That's January. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe, you know, we got a power struggle in November. That's you got to have some big matches for that. Yeah, I think, maybe, that's, I think that's something to keep your eyes on. Maybe they follow up with the uh, Tanahashi-Kenta story with Tanahashi not wanting to shake Kenta's hand and maybe you do Tanahashi and Kenta for the Never title. You think they're getting him ready for Jericho? That is a possibility as well. Something I've been thinking about. Something yeah. I've been thinking about. So yeah, well, keep your keep your eyes peeled on that. If if it ends up being Tanahashi and Jericho, you heard it here first. But this was fun, and um, you know the one thing I want to say before we move on is uh, Rock and Roll Express Hiroshi Tanahashi. Let's belt these boys up. Yeah, strap them up for the Never Six Man Titles. Yeah, I mean if you want to have like. One of the greatest tag teams of all time in your lineage. Let's do it. <laughs> Run it. But uh, after that, we had uh, Amazing Red and Tomohiro Ishii teaming up with Hiroki Goto. They defeated the Bullet Club team of Gato, Chase Owens, and Switchblade Jay White. Uh, thought this was another fun matchup here. Once again, so great seeing Amazing Red in New Japan and just in action again. He looked great. Hitting a lot of his his high spots and a lot of the uh, those wheel kicks that he's famous for. Sounds like he's working other dates outside of New Japan as well. So he's back in the industry. I'm guessing. Yeah, it's funny. He's I, back. It, it seems like it. It's uh, Brian Alvarez was talking about it. Like Red's like one of these guys like he keeps trying to get out, and then somebody's like, "Come on, you want to do this match?" And he's like, "Fine." And he just gets sucked. Keeps getting sucked back in. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad he's getting sucked back in, and he's um, having some good showings here. I always love when that happens. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> moving on. <laughs> why, yeah. why do you set me up with those? Uh, I, I wasn't trying to set you up with, with those. Uh, we did have a question about Amazing Red from a friend of the show, Dan Kaufman. He says, what do you make of Amazing Red being added to the roster page on the NJPW website? Well, I'll say this. There's a lot of guys that are... Semi-regular performers who are who maybe I would say you and I don't necessarily consider roster members, quote unquote, um, who've been on the roster page before. Uh, Chris Saban, for instance, comes to mind. Someone of that uh, nature. ACH, ACH when he was there. Yeah, yeah, guys like that. So it could just be that. Like it, it might not mean anything in particular. Like I, I wouldn't put too much stock into it, but. There have been lots of times where guys come for one-off shots and they don't get added to that roster page. And usually when guys are not with the company more, they do get removed from the roster page. So it's not 
I wouldn't say um, take that as him being officially, you know, he's a contracted member or anything like that, but it's a it's a good sign and it's a good step in the right direction if he is going to continue to work dates right. for Japan. I mean, we got Super Junior Tag League that's coming up. We need some fresh blood in there. Who knows? Maybe they team up red with somebody and he's in that tournament. Yeah, you never know, man. I mean, he has really looked phenomenal since he uh, made his return at the J-Cup and He's looked really good in these matches, and I think he's been the standout guy as well. In this tag match, he really, like, shined a lot. It wasn't like a blow-away match or anything, but, I mean, he's in there with some really good workers, Chase Owens, Jay White, Goto, Ishii, and, I mean, yeah, amazing I mean, red it, looked, it, it almost He looked like he belonged. Yeah, it almost felt like a Will Ospreay match when he tags in, like, the pace just goes up, and it's like yep. it just goes, like, balls to the wall and just goes crazy, and that's exactly what happened here. Like, red came in, tagged in, just was flying all over the place and looked great. Agreed. Um, and then it came down to the finish where uh, Goto hit a Ushikoroshi on Jay White, then one on Gato, and then he hit the GTR on Gato to get the win here for his team. Mm. So then we move on to the semi-main event, the never title match, as the champion Kenta defended against Chaos's Yoshihashi. At 24 minutes and 45 seconds. <sighs> boy. Boy, oh boy. Boy. <laughs> To quote, to quote Richard Latta, boy, boy. oh boy. <laughs> Dude, this had to be, this has to be the worst never open weight title match I have seen since watching New Japan full time. This is <laughs> the, the worst, worst title match I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when we were in New York and that guy was wearing a uh, SCU shirt? We were at the Bean and I walked up like behind him. I was like, this is the worst town. And like he turned around. He was like so confused about what was happening. Yeah. It's like, dude, you wore an SCU shirt. Yeah, he got it. Yeah. He joined in eventually. Yeah. But first he was kind of like, yeah, Whoa. he was confused. <laughs> it's like at any time I wear a bull club shirt and someone tries to sweep me and I'm like, one sweep. <laughs> <laughs> no, you got to. Do the the under. Oh, I do the under. Yeah, yeah. I always do the under. Yeah, none, none of the, none of this, you know, regular, you know, elite crap. You got you got swing it underneath. I always swing underneath. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, so back to this never title match. <laughs> so like I was saying, this is one of the worst never title matches I've seen since I've been watching full time. <sighs> I gotta tell you, Jeremy, I didn't hate it as much as you did. I didn't love it, but like I know, like I thought it was fine. Like, and I agree with you. I do think it was, in my opinion, it might have been one of the worst never titled defenses that I can think of. Although, there's probably some uh, um, some Taichi defenders out there or haters who might, dis- who might, you know, this is definitely the worst never title match since, like, one of those, like, um, Taichi defenses. Yeah. It's like, dude, this match literally felt like it went on forever. Dude, this thing drug on. Uh, you had Yoshihashi coming out, booze from the time his music hits. Yeah, and you know what's funny? I heard dis- different um, takes on this. Some people thought he was getting cheered. I it did. sounded to me like he was getting booed the whole time. He was time. getting majority booed. There was one point later on in the match where he was kind of getting some mixed chants. But overall, he was getting booed. The crowd was cheering Kenta at first, but then... Kenta started slowing things down, grabbing holds, getting heat. Let's be very clear here. As as uh much we as much as we don't necessarily love Yoshihashi, the person who dragged this match to that screeching halt was Kenta. 
he is to blame for yeah. for the pace of this match. Yeah, and he's you know grabbing holes, trying to get heat, trying to get sympathy on Yoshihashi, trying to get the crowd to uh, rally behind him. Uh, but then you know, of course, if you know Kenta and God, it's the new little trio there. We had their inter- interference. God comes out to um, kind of save Kenta. Uh, Tiger Tori comes back out. I was gonna say the Tiger moment was like the moment of the of the match. Yeah, that was cool. He literally grabbed like Loa and T- Tama by their he- like their by the neck and like dragged them out of the ring. Bro, when he did that, I was like, oh my god, like you're about to get killed. Like you messing with Tongans, dog. Like come <laughs> on. But yeah, no, they they uh, he got them out of there, and then after that, like. They kind of went to the closing stretch of Kenta and Yoshihashi. Yeah, and so yeah, Yoshihashi had a little bit of a shine there, but then eventually he got uh, cut off. Kenta uh, countered the karma, hit the Basaiko knee, and then hit the go to sleep and got the win. You know, um, I don't know. I, I thought this match was fine. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I thought it was probably, I know I was, uh, I'm probably higher than you. I thought I was like, I don't know, three stars. Gentleman's three. It's fine. Ah, oh, no, bro. It was not no gentleman's <laughs> three, bro. Hear me out. I, I go like two max, bro. <laughs> Maybe two and a half. Um, you know, but at the same time, okay, let me be fair here. This wasn't a match that I was very attentively watching. Like, I was not on the edge of my seat, like, really, really, like, taking it in, like, you know, Battle of the Titans, Kenta, Yoshihashi. The world wants to know. Like, it wasn't like that for me. Like, yeah. this was like a, I'm folding my laundry and it's on in the background. But it, I would still call it like a three-star match. But here's the thing. We're talking about a 25-minute three-star match. As we have talked about before on this show, an eight-minute three-star match is a lot different from a 25-minute. Yeah. Three, and to me, that's what this was. I thought it was fine. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. The crowd was really agitated. Yeah. What do you, I mean, okay. What are your thoughts, you know, because there are going to be those people who say in in this instance, Kenta did his job well. But I've seen plenty of other heels get heat in the match, not be as dull as this. That's what I'm wondering. Like, what what is your take on it? Do you think that do you do you believe in that philosophy that if you because they started to chant like chant for Kenta and then throughout the match, even after he like tried to slow it down, the crowd was not playing the the. Heel face dynamic. They were gonna. It was a New York crowd. They're gonna put over who they want to put over. Right. Well, the problem is you have it's Yoshihashi. Like, did anybody in their right mind actually believe that Yoshihashi would beat Kenta and win the never title? Ooh, that is one thing. He gave a lot to Kent, or he they gave a lot to Yoshihashi in this match. Towards the end, the closing stretch was pretty good, actually. Yeah, that that and it it always is. Yeah, Um, and that's kind of why I was a little higher on it. I think than you. Like I thought the closing stretch was fine, and Yoshihashi got a lot of uh, offense in at the end, but nobody in their right mind. I mean, nobody. (laughs) It's like maybe if they had a more like serious contender, uh, this match would have been better, and the crowd would have gotten behind whoever else. But Yoshihashi. Bro, it's weird. It's it's like, you know, uh, the one time that Kenny defended the U.S. title here, we got him and Yoshihashi. Now, the one time Kenta defends the Never Belt in America, we get Yoshihashi. It's weird. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. They're not giving us, you know, this this wasn't uh, <laughs> what was the what was the uh, Royal Quest? Yeah. This wasn't no Royal Quest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and we got some questions here. A uh, question from a Twitter follower, at Brave Dirty Hawk. He says, why does everyone hate Yoshihashi, LOL? The man got a title shot. Of course he's going to give it his all. 
Why do you think that those fans booed Yoshihashi in particular, in that New York crowd specifically? Well, I think a lot of those New, those New York, that the people in that New York crowd were fans of New Japan, and they know about Yoshihashi. I mean, he's a guy that's pushed. He's like the very bottom of the mid card. He doesn't have great facials. He comes off very bland. Do you he, think? Do you think it was like a? Because this seemed like a, one of the most Americanized New Japan yeah, crowds I've ever seen. Yeah. And I was wondering if this even was like diehards or like casual New Japan fans. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Who just like don't like Yoshihashi based on the uh, reputation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or was it that they were experience, experiencing him live and responding to how he was on that night and it was just like a group think mentality? I don't know. I don't have a clear answer. I was just... Those were all thoughts I had as this was going on. I was like, did these people come in premeditatedly hating Yoshihashi? Yeah. Or were they experiencing, you know, the mediocrity that is Yoshihashi I mean, does, and does, responding to does, it? Does anybody go into a show expecting to cheer for Yoshihashi? Yeah, we, we have fans of this podcast that write in and tell us how much they like Yoshihashi. There are people who love him. There's very few. There's a vocal minority. Yeah, I mean, I... I I don't, I don't have the, uh, you know, the, 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 what's it called? Like the Google trends to tell you, <laughs> you know, how Yoshihashi is trending, but yeah, that's I mean, I'm sure true. in Japan, I mean, he doesn't get booed in Japan. I'm sure the, it's a gimmick that doesn't translate well to the U S that's one thing for yeah. sure. That's one thing. And plus for he's sure. always kind of been in a, a bottom position. Like he's pretty much the fall guy of chaos. Like. I think that what sometimes they're going for, and this is just my like take on it is they're going for like this plucky underdog right beloved underdog sort of character but it's not tr- it has it's not translated not, over not, here yeah it, it might work in japan but it's, it's not getting over in states i don't know how much it, it works in japan oh remember that one girl who cried over yoshihashi though? oh yeah <laughs> that was unbelievable yeah but um yeah this was you know this was um i wasn't again i wasn't as low on this as everyone else was like this seemed to be quite the controversial match for many many people yeah like and I just thought it was fine. I, I will say this is not this match wasn't doing any favors for your Western expansion. If I'll tell you that much. Yeah. This. Yeah. To me. Yeah. This was just straight trash, man. Yeah. So it's fine. Uh, next question from Reddit user: Life is a dragon. Yoshihashi's never getting a title shot again, right? People have been saying they feel sorry for him based on how he was treated by the New York crowd, but I feel sorry for Kenta for having to sell for this geek. <laughs> Does help me, G.O.D., I can't beat Yoshihashi uh, on, on my, my own. own, scream legit badass to you chaps? No, it doesn't. But, again, he's a heel. Right. And so that's what heels do. Uh, but not always. I mean, New Japan is one of the few companies that are good at booking competent heels who can win. Right. Um, AEW is starting to do a pretty good job of that, of that as well, even though they're still in their infancy as a company. Um we never hardly see it in WWE unless someone's named, Brock, you know, Brock Lesnar or, you know, Walter, if you're watching UK product. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, it is kind of surprising that Kenta's kind of becoming like this slimy heel. Well, I mean, it's the, it's Bullet Club, it's man. Bull, it's Bullet Club. I mean. That's what Bullet Club is. Right. I mean, people complain about it all the time, but since Bullet Club's been in New Japan, it's always been about the cheating. You watch the AJ matches, the Devitt matches. G.O.D. matches, the Kenny matches before he kind of became the best bout machine. 
Like, there was a lot of cheating and interference. And, I mean, it's, it's supposed to be like the NWO. I mean, it's, it's supposed to be this heel gaijin faction. Yeah. And Kenta's a part of that now. So, obviously, to continue to get heat and stuff, they're going to have the G.O.D. interference. You're going to have the low blows, the eye pokes, the cheating. I, I agree with him, though. You know, it, it does make, you know, it, it is kind of like they gave a lot to Yoshihashi. It doesn't do any favors for Kenta necessarily. Right. Uh, but at the end of the day... You know what people are going to remember? Who who got the W? Yeah. Kenta got the W. Yoshihashi took the L again, and we move on. This is something that people won't talk about. Like, after we've done this review, I guarantee we'll never discuss this match. You damn I, right we'll never be <laughs> discuss we'll this never match. Talk this, we'll never talk about this match again. It's just going to be a cliff note on the history yeah. of... Of this show, so it will fade away and classify itself as obsolete. Obsolete. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I miss Broken Matt. I didn't have a good joke. I was <laughs> I, no no uh, uh, sexual jokes on that one. I I couldn't think of. I knew that there was something there. There was something there, but I couldn't like think of one. So uh, moving on to the main event, we have Evil and Sonata. Taking on the Golden Aces or the Golden Rainmakers, Kota Ibushi and Kazuchika Okada. This was, in my opinion, the match of the night. Yeah, this as far as match quality, yeah, this was the match of the night. Very good main event. Obviously, we're building things up for King of Pro Wrestling with the Okada Sonata title match and the Evil Ibushi contract match. And based off the interactions from both these guys, I'm kind of getting excited for both of these singles matches, even though the results are kind of, you know, it's pretty set in stone what's going to happen in those matches. I still am excited to see the actual match, though. Am I, am I a curmudgeon if I tell you I'm not really excited about those matches? Like, I, I got to tell you, I am very excited for King of Pro Wrestling. Very excited. There's a lot of matches I do want to see. Mm-hmm. Card looks great. These two matches are not, they're not part of the, like, lineup. I, I mean, they're acceptable. And they'll probably be great, but I'm not I'm not anticipating either of them. Out of both of them, I'm more excited for Evil and Kota Ibushi. Oh, not just, me. Just based off the interactions they had in this match. They were hitting each other so hard. And there were some great um, exchanges they had in this match. I'm like, these guys can have a, a banger. Okada Sonata always have bangers, though. So, yeah. like, they, I know they're going to deliver. I didn't love the Evil Ibushi match as much as everyone else uh, in the G1. You know what? I'm going to try to have a more positive outlook and go in with a more positive, uh, you know, uh, frame of mind when I watch these so that I can uh, enjoy them. But I'm not sitting here, like, anticipating this, like, not the way I am, you know. I, not I don't feel about them the way I feel about the Fiend. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Can't wait. Fiend's gonna win the title. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see about that. Actually, yeah. like I, I don't, I don't watch that show. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that they're doing subliminal messages with him on NFL? Yeah, that's what I heard. That's yeah, a, that's hilarious. Yeah, it's crazy. But anyways, I, I, I do think these matches will be good though. They, they're, they're gonna deliver. They're gonna deliver for sure. And I thought that this match delivered. I thought um, this tag match was really good. I thought it was. Uh, Overall, I would say this show was about, like, Road 2 level. It pretty much was. I mean, pretty much. All three of these shows are pretty much like Road 2, um, King of Pro Wrestling, essentially. Yeah, essentially, yeah. And, I mean, uh, it was fine, except for, like, an Americanized version. Right. Yeah, and uh, Abushi was a bump in, like, a madman this match. F- several flat-nick bumps. 
Um, he was just bumping all over the place. Um, and, you know, came out to the ending stretch where uh, Evil counters the Kamagoya, hits a rolling elbow. Abushi bumps off his neck off of that. Um, then he hits a lariat that turns Abushi inside out, bumps off his neck off of that. And then he hits the Everything is Evil and bumped off the neck off of the Everything is Evil, which is probably one of the best Everything is Evil I've seen, just the way Abushi sold it. And one, two, three, Evil pins Abushi heading into the contract match. Awesome. And with that being said, I do want to say this. Even though I personally am not personally invested or anticipating these matches, that's not to say that they haven't done a fantastic job building up these matches. They absolutely have. And so if you're looking forward to them, you have every right to be because they've done a really good job building to uh, King of Pro Wrestling with both of these matches and the backstories on them. And um, I anticipate those being really good. Yeah. And we had a post-match promo from Evil saying, this is evil, New York is evil, everything is evil. And so, yeah, and that wrapped up Fighting Spirit Unleashed in New York. Every time I hear that, I think of uh, Sammy Callahan, who, fuck Sammy Callahan. Uh, (laughs) He stole stole my pancakes money in New York, sir. But uh, that one promo where he was like, no. Everything is not evil. Oh yeah, and the that is not true. Yeah. <laughs> Every time uh, I hear evil say it, I just think of Santa Cana being like, "That's uh, bullshit." <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, it's uh, mad funny. Uh, Death Juice, yeah. Death Juice, what a tag team! My God, yeah. Uh, I had some questions here from uh, Reddit user Zach Saber Time. Does now that we've seen Amazing Red and TJP back after the Super J Cup, you think they could be in the Junior Tag League? I'm all for both of them to be a part of the roster. Also, personal opinion, Fighting Spirit Unleashed in New York was awesome. All the matches, I would say, except the open weight title match, were awesome. Well, Zack Sabre time. Um, I agree with you. I would like to see Amazing Red and TJP back in the company. I think they have definitely a role in the next few months for the Junior Tag League, at the very least. And um, I would like to see both of them be on the roster. There's spots open for them. There's definitely you know a, a position for them to play. And um, everything else that you said here, I agree with. Great show. Um, not so great open weight title match. And yeah. Yeah, I think it would be great to get some fresh blood in the junior division with adding in Amazing Red and TJP. And, you know, if there's nobody else, why not team those two guys up together, get him in that junior tag league um, and freshen some things up there in that tournament as well. So, yeah, I'm all on the all board for more Red and more TJP in New Japan. Agreed. So next question from Rambone Slam Pig. Is there any logic to filming but not streaming two of the three Fighting Spirit Only shows while not having English commentary for the one show that did stream live? The action on the NYC show was great, minus Yoshihashi. Oh, my God. But it seems to me like all these nagging production issues just continue to hamper the Western expansion. I don't blame New Japan for the delay on the NYC show starting, but I don't think that helped either. Well, William, you have hit it right on the head. Um, you know, you've hit the nail on the head, man. I mean, it doesn't make sense. You, you do three shows here. Um, there was nothing that really stood out to me about the New York show as opposed to the other shows aside from maybe the Kenta match mm-hmm. that really made it seem like it was so much more deserving to be, you know, aired than the other ones. And it's kind of like, well, if you've got a production crew out there 
and you're airing in Japan. Like, why didn't they film the other ones? Right. Well, it doesn't make sense. Well, they did film it because so during the 90. Right. Yeah. Well, they did. Yeah. yeah. During the 90 minute delay, they were actually playing some of the Boston show for the New York crowd while they were trying to get everything settled. You're right. That I forgot about that. That's true. They did um, tape the other shows. So why didn't they air them? And again, if you're coming to America, not that, okay, I'm not one of these people who's like, they always have to have American, uh, English commentary because we, we come from an era where there was time. This is a Japanese company. They didn't always have. Right. Um, we've watched plenty of shows in Japanese commentary. It's fine. Yeah, absolutely. But they've made so many strides over the past years to like, we went from a time where it was like only the big shows even had English commentary. Now it seems like almost every tour, every single show has it. So why are you not doing it for the show that's actually in America where you actually could feasibly afford to have your English commentators be there? And I'm sure, like, if Kevin, like, wh- where was Kevin Kelly? Was he there or no? Like, No, he wasn't. I don't think okay. he was there. So even if Kevin Kelly wasn't there, like, why not, like, call up Mavs Gillis? Why not call up, like, you know. Get, so, get Chris Charlton over there. Somebody. Yeah. I don't understand. It, it just is so, it just Feels called Josh Barnett. <laughs> yeah, man. If it, yeah, it does feel very, very disorganized. Like the, it doesn't make logical sense at all. And then, um, all these, yeah. And then, what did you think of the production itself for the show? Because I didn't think it was top tier. Yeah, it wasn't top tier. They're doing this weird thing where they, they like out the lights like after every match before the entrances, each entrance. So it was kind of weird. And uh, and I, it's it's weird because, um. They had such fantastic production for all those Long Beach shows for the first few. I understand the access to television, and um, from what I understand, and maybe I'm wrong on this, didn't they also borrow, like, Ring of Honor's uh, production crew at a certain point as well? Yeah, I think for some shows they had uh, ROH's crew. So so that might be part of it, but at the same time, I mean, bro, the production value on those shows blows this away, and that was, like, two or three years ago. So it's kind of like, wow, like... It's 2019, and again, I, I know I've said this earlier in the show, but you're the second largest wrestling company in the world. Um, I would rather them just not air it. If it's not going to look good, and, and it's and it's going to have all these like issues, mm-hmm. if it's going to be the equivalent to an indie show, which with the delay, <laughs> with the delay, yeah. with the card, and with you know the production value, this is basically an indie show, and New Japan can't afford to be the company that comes overseas and does indie shows locally. Like, they need to be the company that comes over and does big international shows, you know? Right. Um, even WWE, when they go overseas, yeah, they, they, they have a house show set up, mm-hmm. and it's not the same as their big, but even when they tape those, it doesn't look like this. Right. So I just don't understand what the, I don't understand why they can't, Hire somebody to do it right. at, I'm, at, a, I'm sh- at a top level. I'm sure there's a production company. I mean, especially in in New York. In New York, there's a production America? company that you can hire. Um, you know, a lot of people want the ROH relationship to end, but if they were working with ROH, I'm sure they could have had an ROH uh, TV crew come out there and get that thing filmed up, looking looking nice. Here's another thing, Jeremy. You do it one time, and it's bad. Okay, it's a learning experience. But if I'm like Harold Mai or any of these other big wigs and I see it and it and people talk about it and it's out there and it's a talking point online, it never happens again, period. Right. If I'm in charge of this company, that never happens again. But instead, it has persisted 
all year. All year long, they've had bad-looking shows like this in America. Um, aside from the one Access TV show that they did, everything else looked like crap. Yeah. That's terrible. That's bad. It's not, not a good look at all, and it definitely hurts the Western expansion. Um, and it's one thing after another. Um, yes, it's it's not a good look. And, yeah, this ambulance thing was the last thing that needed to happen to them in this whole 90-man delay. And, I mean, you know, there's a lot of things that they already have going against them. You know what I mean? Like, in today's modern, if you want to expand in the West, right, the modern average wrestling fan, what is the, do you know what I think is the biggest determinant about whether or not they're going to watch your show? Mm. Ease of access. Oh, yeah. That is the number one thing. Can they just go and put it on? So the fact that most of these shows aren't even on television, but that they're on an app, and not just an app, but a foreign app, which, you know, we can attest is is way more user-friendly to foreigners than it, like now than it was two or three years ago. Right, yeah, definitely. But even still, it's not the easiest thing to use. And actually, uh, I tried using it on a um, Roku recently because they, they recently came, The Roku app is crap. Oh, it's so bad. It's nothing like the experience using it on Roku is nothing like using it, um, just streaming or casting it. So, I mean, you've already got that going against you. Is that, A, the, the consumer has to know about you. B, they can't just put you on on TV. They got to actually go, like, sign up for for you on a on a streaming app. Give that 999 yen. Yeah, get that 999 yen and then, like, find a way to get it onto their TV. Like, it's not the easiest thing to do in the world. And then when they finally do it, it looks like this. And and not only that, if you're like a regular watcher and you're watching the production values of all their other shows throughout the year, mm-mm. bro, <laughs> bro, yeah. even like even the single cam shows or the the uh, the limited production shows they do in Japan are better. Yeah, they're way better than this. And, you know, you mentioned the the ease of access. And, you know, now the wrestling climate in 2019, you got NXT on USA, AEW on TNT, NWA. They're filming their NWA power show right now. Bro, I saw the the setup for the stage, and, yeah, it's small, but it looks great. And that's going to be on YouTube. You're going to have – you have MLW on YouTube. I mean, there's so much wrestling. Obviously, you got Raw and SmackDown on USA and Fox. Um, I mean – Ring of Honor, you got them on whatever channel and times. And, and bro, it, that's just wrestling in the States. And then you got Impact Now on Access on Tuesday nights. Women of Wrestling on Saturday. Like there's Ring so, of Honor. Yeah, there's so much wrestling that is easy to access. You know the times, you know the channels. Like, it's it's a tough market to be in now. So if, if you're going to come and try and be in this Western um, territory and have a Western expansion, you have to make it easy, and you have to make your stuff look as good as everybody else's that's out there. Yeah, I mean, I understand that there's probably this mentality when they come to the States that they're like, well, if we go overseas and we don't air it, then what's the point? And that's true. But at the same time, if you're not, if it's not going to look good when you air it, then you shouldn't be airing it either, which makes me rethink maybe you guys should kind of reconsider some of your strategies and some of your uh, goals and ambitions when you are making these trips overseas because ultimately the people that love this company don't love it because you're here in America. We love it because it's the best wrestling in the world. And to me, this is me speaking, I don't care if it's in America or not. I would love for it to be here. I'd love to be able to see it live. Right. But if it's not going to be to the standard of quality on all levels that we're used to, don't do it. 
There's no, there's no reason to because you can create better content in Japan and then present it and make it easy to access here in the States. I would rather them do that than, um, you know. Just ba- throw together a tour and do a bunch yeah. of shows and it's not filmed correctly, no English commentary and, yeah. Yeah. There, Delays. Uh, there's a word I'm looking for. I can't think of it. I hate when I, I, hate when I can't think of a word uh, that, I'm, that I can't find. But, yeah, basically – that just that whole thing sucks, you know. Yeah. Unfortunately, and you know that that it is unfortunate because the show was good. People that were there had a good time. Um, ha, you know, hats off to them for uh, absorbing the extra cost when they probably couldn't. They, who knows if they even made money on this show based right. on based on all that? So that's that's great for the company to have done the make good. But ultimately, like man, this is a lot of problems, and yeah. and I don't know if it's if this company is any more in the limelight. Because, yes, we're talking about it, but what's the big talking point? The show started 90 minutes late. That's the big talking right, point. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. It, it ended up being a very good show. And ha- let's say the show had gone off without a hitch. Let's say the show had looked really good. And let's say the show was, um, you know, good to great. How many people in the States would even watch it or see it? You know what I mean? I don't know if it really makes a big difference for their business. Mm-hmm. I think that they need to focus on marketing. They need to focus on ease of access. They need to focus on content creation and getting it in front of people in the States as opposed to running it like a regional um, independent wrestling promotion here, yeah. here in America. Like That's that's backwards thinking. It's not going to work. Yeah, I think with the U.S. expansion, it needs to be quality over quantity. And it's costing them a lot of money. Like, honestly. A lot of money. Yeah, like I would probably do like four to five shows max in the U.S., do them in different areas of the country, and make them, you know, big shows with, you know, well-production, airing live, with English and Japanese commentary, treat them like a big deal, make them feel special. Well, um, I agree with you. I, I agree. I think that's a fantastic idea. And I know we've actually got other questions kind of on this yeah. topic too, and we have some more results. So I think we should move on. But yeah, I mean, it, it is, it's frustrating because we do love this product and I don't want to see them look like this in the States. It, it's embarrassing for them to a degree actually. Yeah. And that sucks because the wrestling is so good. It's amazing. So the next day we had the fighting spirit unleash in Philly we had Rocky Romero defeating Clark Connors, Mikey Nichols defeating Carl Fredericks, Lance Archer defeating Alex Coughlin, and there's a great video going around of Archer I doing the rope book all the way around. A listener of the show, Scott Rand, tweeted out. Also, our buddy Zach Porter shared a video also. Yeah, that, that video is awesome. Uh, we had uh, Amazing Red defeating Ren Narita. He- heard some good things about that match. Man, all these... Uh, all these uh L.A. Dojo Young Lions aren't so tough when they're facing uh, <laughs> top-tier competition. Uh, we had Naito, Sonata, and Shingo defeating Sho, Yo, and Juice Robinson. Evil and Bushi defeated TJP and Kota Ibushi. Little uh, two Team, team uh, CWC. Yeah, CWC uh, throwback there. Uh, then we had in the main event, the uh, Josh Smith special, the... Multi-man elimination tag match with uh, we had Team Tanahashi, Goto, Ishii, Yoshihashi, and the Rock and Roll Express. They defeated 
Jay White, Kenta, Tamatonga, Tangaloa, Chase Owens, and Gato. That's a match I'd really want to see. Dude, I heard good things. And guess who the final two were? Let me just take a guess. The final two were Ricky Morton and Chase Owens. Incorrect, sir. The final two, you got one of them, right? The final two were Tanahashi and Chase Owens. Oh. Our boy, Chase. Okay. Final two with the ace. Nice. Yeah, so yeah, Tanahashi. Well, and that's definitely a house show match. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Tanahashi got the win for the team there, and that wrapped up uh, that show. So that was the Fighting Spirit Unleashed tour. I have no idea if, if or, or, or when. when these Philly and Boston shows will be up on NJPW World. These are essentially going to become the Tom McGee Bret Hart matches <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, of uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. And by the time they come out, I'm sure. They'll probably be in the middle of Super Junior Tag League or Road to Tokyo Dome. Or in, um, there are people who still haven't even watched Super J Cup yet. So By the time it comes out, they'll be part of the WWE Network's uh, <laughs> Hidden Gems 30 years from now. It'll be a part of the uh, the Rock and Roll Express like DVD. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah but uh, So we have a few more questions here from uh, Reddit user Asai Yojimbo. Joss was recently critical of the UX expansion's inconsistent production, which I agreed with. I'd also rather see less but better produced Western shows moving forward if it means the show themselves look look and sound better. However, my concern is ultimately with where this expansion is actually heading. How do you see the next few years playing out? Do you think New Japan will have to expand the roster to keep from burning out their current talent? Or will there just be more dates away from Japan each year? That is a very, very, very good question. Um, and I think it's the questions that we're asking to, and I think it's the questions that we don't have an answer to, and unfortunately, I think it's the questions that New Japan doesn't have the, the answers to either, because so far, they haven't shown the competency to prove to me that they know what they're doing when it comes to this expansion. Yeah, and I mean, it looks like from what we're seeing, they're trying to set up the LA Dojo almost as like a little mini hub or promotion because obviously Narita is doing an excursion here and I believe he'll be doing like indie shows in LA, California area, you know, coming out of the dojo. So it seems like they're, they're trying to sit there, they're, you know, put some roots here in the U S and kind of have a place for their guys, young lions to go, not selling them the ring of honor now, selling them to this LA dojo. But ultimately I don't know what, the final end goal is and honestly in today's market the end goal should be to have a great tv deal where you can uh get paid off tv deal and then expand your audience i mean i think that having an la dojo you know stateside is a fantastic idea i think it's a great investment i think it makes a lot of business sense to do that it is it's a fantastic idea um, a few years ago when this uh, expansion first started, they discussed running the California market almost like a territory, like it was, you know, 1972. <laughs> it's a terrible idea. It's not That wouldn't have worked. And they actually tried that during the early 2000s. For those of you that don't remember the, the New Japan USA shows, <laughs> they even had a television show, and it, it didn't work. Um Ultimately, it, it is what we've said. Like, we, we don't know where this expansion's heading. We don't know what the ultimate goal is, how it's supposed to play out. Um, you know, I think I think he brings up a great point um, in that they have their talent working 
overtime. You know, we talk about the reduced schedule of New Japan, and for most wrestlers, that's true, and they do have a touring, you know, uh, they, they have, you know, tours instead of just, like, the ardent grind that is, like, a WWE or one of the major companies. That being said, though, it seems like more and more often a lot of these uh, acts are going overseas. Um, I know a lot of them f- usually do fill their, like, in the past, they would fill their time with working, like, an OTT here or there, or doing a CMLL tour if they're if they're popular enough or whatever. But um, now it seems like whenever they're not doing a major show, they're coming to the States. And it's, you know, and maybe I'm over-exaggerating a bit because they're not coming here all the time, but it's way more than it was in the right, past. Right, but we, we've had Jap- uh, Japan fans, Japanese fans, Complain that, about that this. Com- complaining that the New Japan wrestlers are going over to the States too much and could get hurt and uh, they need to be just focusing on Japan. So, and, and, and here's one of the biggest things. The situation with Access, the situation with their television deal here in the States is very precarious. I maybe now we don't know. They might have everything locked up. They might be in a great situation with with Anthem. Doesn't seem like that's the case, but who knows? They might be. We don't know. Um, But if I if I was them and there was any sort of cause for doubt about that situation, I would be working to bolster to find a content distribution deal as opposed to focusing on running these indie, these road to shows here in the States that, um, you know, they're drawing what a thousand people here and there. Yeah. How many, how many extra, uh, new Japan world subscriptions are they gaining? How many more people are actually following this product because of it? You know, um, it's, you know, as, Someone who's involved with this company on a pretty on a high level, like our podcast is, when I tell people I, I watch this, they go, "Oh, that's that's awesome! How can I watch them?" And I'm like, "Well, it's New Japan World." And they're like, "What what time is their show on?" Right. Yeah. And then that's the like, "Well, you see, you gotta understand." <laughs> and it's like it shouldn't be that way. Like, and yeah, they have the Friday they have the Friday Friday night access show. Saturday. Right? Oh, it's Saturday. Yeah. I always thought it was Fridays. It used to be Friday, but remember they switched it they to switched Saturday it. with the the Wow Women Wrestling That's block. That's right. And see, because we just watched it on New Japan World, so I right. Know. But even still, yeah, they've got the Saturday night shows. But uh, the interesting thing, though, with the whole Access thing, they just made a a new Twitter account called Access Wrestling, and it's heavily promoting Wow, uh, New Japan, and Impact. So how long do you think that'll last, though? That's the question. I know, but it's like, why would you go go through the whole trouble of creating? Separate marketing and graphics for Access Wrestling, if there wasn't if that wasn't the plan going forward, uh, but it might not be a long term plan. It true. might just be yeah. it, it really. And I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer. It might be a long term plan. I don't know. But I mean, again, contracts are coming up. 2021. We've got a year, but it's not that same team that was behind them at right. Dallas. So, you know, it might just be them juicing getting as much juice out of the squeeze as they possibly can while they have them and then once once they're used up they're going to discard them so that's my concern yeah so i mean yeah that's just, there's so much questions to be answered there's so much to examine with this western expansion and they bro do you know what the most important and impactful thing that they did for the western expansion ever was what they built stars mm. they built stars that they could distribute and market stateside yeah, they lost those stars, but that's what you have to do if you're going to, you know, the, the big thing, it's not coming here. It's not running shows here. It's great that they do that. And when they do it, they need to do it at a high level. And that's maybe they should do it less often, but it's your Kenny Omegas. It's your Chris Jericho's. It's your Young Bucks. It's your Cody's. It's all the guys. 
it's all the guys that are at AEW. Like, uh, that's what built the Western expansion. And the the way they were able to keep those those people that were brought over is by exposing them to the Ishii's and, and to Okada's the and, and the, your Shingo's and exactly. your Naito's. Yeah. Yeah, it's like they came for Jericho, but they stayed for Naito. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so that's what you have to do. And the way the way that things now, I understand that with the way that talent situations are going on and the and the battle lines are drawn between all these companies, it's not that easy anymore. But you know, they have Moxley. And again, I was a little critical about some of the things that happened with Moxley and the booking in the tournament, but ultimately, like, he's a big star. They needed to they needed to and need to capitalize off that to draw people to them. And they need to do that in other situations when they bring in guys like Jericho and, and other people like that. And the other thing is they need to work on their distribution because distribution is the most important thing, not just here, but in Japan. Right, yeah. Because, I mean, even, like, they're, they're like, TVSIE deals. Like, it doesn't air, like, random days, like, 2 o'clock in the morning sometimes. Or From what like, I understand, yeah. Yeah, it's, like, not the best timing. So, yeah, there's yeah, there's a lot. To they, they, they've, they've brought in – they've done so many fantastic things over the past years and grown their business and brought in more money. But this Western expansion, based on the – numbers that you shared in the news the other week sounds like it's bleeding them and it's not paying them out and you know when you're in business and you take a look at your expenditures and you see what's earning you money and what's losing you money i understand that this is supposed to be like a long-term um you know it's it's a long-term long investment yeah it's a long-term investment it's a long play but maybe this long game is not going to play out because i don't see how this plays out for them the way that they're doing it the way they're doing it right now is wrong yeah it, it's a bad look unfortunately yeah. they need they need to change some things so uh next question from our boy danny creator of the uh, njpw extension he says do you think njpw really needs to run shows abroad to continue expanding at this point in their growth is the live experience absolutely critical to gaining new fans or can they do simply can they do so simply by focusing on vod and online access- accessibility we pretty much just kind of covered that. Danny, uh, Danny's absolutely right. Yeah. that's And you know what's funny? That was what Harold Mai had said earlier in the year when he first, or like uh, la- starting last year, or maybe it was early this year, I can't remember, but when he was first interviewed, he was like, we're going to scale back our expansions and we're going to focus more on content creation. And it's like, why aren't they working on distribution deals in other countries? You know what I mean? Why aren't they? Why aren't they expanding their distribution in America and places like that, and their marketing and and their visibility online? That's what people need to be seeing. Instead, they're focusing on like running these shows, and it's not gaining them anything. Yeah. So, yeah, man. And I know, like a lot of people might might say that we're being too critical or we're being Debbie Downers, but honestly, it's just the truth. I mean, we love New Japan. Clearly, we do, we've been doing a show about New Japan every week, giving you guys hours of, of our love for New Japan. But at the same time, we got we got to judge them when they're not doing right either. Well, here's the thing: what if this is like a real detriment to their business? Right. Because it seems and it sounds like we're not business analysts. You know, I can't give you like the market financials on on them, especially since they're pretty much a private company. Even though Bushi Road's gone public, they're not. I can't tell you everything I know about them, but I. I can tell you I work in the finance field and there are some telltale signs of things that are troublesome and problematic with the company. And so far from what I can tell, this seems problematic to me. If you're asking me, that's my, that's my opinion. Yeah. 
So uh, next question from Twitter you, Twitter follower at Twitter ain't shit. Do you guys think the LA Dojo is going to be the secondary U.S. motion NJPW originally wanted for expansion? It seems as if they could take ROH spot in the marketplace. And who would you guys think will be on that roster if it happens? Ooh, well, I don't think it's ever <laughs> going to happen. Um, I mean, to, yeah, I don't think this is like assuming ROH like. ROH already got displaced. Like, ROH has already been displaced. They're the fourth largest. Co- they went from being the second largest to the fourth largest company in, in the country, I would say. Yeah. Like, they're definitely behind WWE. They're definitely behind... Uh, AEW. AEW and... Behind... The, uh, pretty much behind Impact right now. I would say probably pretty... Well... Are they... Well, yeah, because now they are. Now, well, with, the, with the access deal, now they the access deal, they definitely are. Yeah, and I mean, they're not that far ahead of MLW, it almost feels like. Yeah, and MLW, they're going to be doing pay-per-views next year. Uh, I know they're working on their dis- distribution deals as well, so, yeah. Um, and with that being said, I, I don't know how they're going to use the LA Dojo. Uh, I don't think it will be a promotion. They tried that before, and it was a, a massive failure. Um, it just, it, it really was, it was a big money loser. You know, it's funny. (sighs) History repeats itself. And we talk about those dark days, that LA dojo stuff, as cool as some of it was, man, it was, it was a money loser for them, especially that engine, that new Japan USA show that they did. I don't know. I think it would be much more beneficial for them to make partnerships Right, and I think that's what, the, what they're going to do. that's what they're going to do. Because we've seen them work with Defy, the, Defy yeah, some other kind of uh, local indies in that area. I think they're going to send those young lions out to, like, your Defy's, your, um, what's that other company? Uh, I think it's, is it All-Star or something wrestling? I um, think I think it would be great to see these some of these uh, young lions be treated like independent stars, but maybe their bookings are controlled by the LA Dojo. Right, so it's like... We want to book Ren Narita at Defy this Friday. Let me call up uh, Shibata and get him booked. It would be great to see these guys just do, like, you know, AAW, you know, um, FIP, you know. Um, A PWG. PWG. Any, yeah, any of those indies. Like, that would, be, that would be cool stuff. And I think that that would be a much better way to go. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of the fans who are, Involved with uh, attending shows at those um, independent shows, they're they're familiar with New Japan, but again, you can you can get more people's eyes on the product, and and you can get uh, American fans invested in a lot of these young lines that way by getting them in front of these audiences. It's it's mutually beneficial for everybody. It's it's beneficial for the smaller independent companies who are able to bring in New Japan talent. That they have a partnership with New Japan. Yeah, it's beneficial for the for the young lions and those who they've got you know working these different kinds of environments. It's healthier for the for the overall uh, you know marketplace. Like I think that's the way to go. Um, creating another like company, I don't know. I don't know, man. Especially in in this market in the market oh, right now. I don't know, man. You know, maybe before there was an AEW, maybe that might have been a good idea. And it's, and it's like, I don't think ROH is going anywhere. No. Because the thing with ROH is you got St. Clair that just dumps money there. I mean, they... they St. Clair dumps a set amount of money, 
and and it's set. It's like this is what we're giving you. Keep running, and they're just gonna keep running on their local affiliates, drawing their modest numbers, bringing in their advertising money. That's what they're there for. They they don't want them to be bigger. They don't want them to be smaller. Right. They they facilitate a very specific function for freaking um, Sinclair Media, and that's about it. Like that's the deal, and they're not going anywhere. And they're as you know, and it, it's almost like soul crushing. Like if you let's say you were a fantastic booker or a fantastic talent, and you're there, and you realize like this place is never going anywhere, because that's the situation they're in. Right. Because because honestly, after Madison Square Garden. They had a decision. Do we want to be bigger than what we are? Do we want to continue to draw shows like this? And they decide to stay exactly where they're at. Bro, they, that decision, they made that decision way before Madison Square Garden. True. They made that decision when they were negotiating with all the elite guys. They definitely had a chance to expand. Dude, after All In, and they saw what the elite did, they should have capitalized on that and... Gone to the St. Clair people and be like, look, we need to push these guys and up the business and make this thing bigger. How about this? Here's the real hot take. There never should have been an all-in. That That they is true. They should never have helped uh, those those elite guys do all-in. They literally created their own competition. They, they, they're they idiots. Yeah. WWE would never have done New Japan would have done that. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's stupid. <laughs> Um, so next question here from Reddit. Another win for the good guys. <laughs> uh, next question from uh, Reddit user KLE Bannon says, with Keishan Liger versus Minoru Suzuki booked for King of Pro Wrestling, do you believe that feud ends in Goku or continues in Wrestle Kingdom? If you believe the feud ends at King of Pro Wrestling, do you see, who do you see as Liger's opponent at Wrestle Kingdom? Quick correction. Keishan Liger is not advertised for King of Pro Wrestling. Jushin Thunder Liger is. I don't know if we're going to see an appearance of Keishan Liger at King of Pro Wrestling. Um, it seems like we probably might, just based off the fact that they did that so recently. And why why bring that up if you're not going to do it again? You know. Yeah. But you know they've never done that before. Like Keishan Liger's always been a one off thing. Like it's it's never something that that Liger has brought out. At, um, you know, as kind of like a preview to him doing it again. So th- if he were to like bring it out in, in successive order at King of Pro Wrestling, that would be like a first time. Um, And I got to tell you, I don't know. I don't know. This could really be the end of the feud. I could see this being the end of the feud. I could also see this being like the first step to this feud continuing all the way to King of, uh, to Wrestle Kingdom. True. I don't know, just just based with doing the whole Keishan thing in Kobe before this big matchup, I I feel like if they were going to keep the feud going, they might have brought Keishan out afterwards, maybe. That uh, makes more sense, right? To, to me, and maybe, I don't know, just to me that makes more sense. And and then you build it up, and then you do the appearance, maybe a power struggle. But let's be clear, it was a tease. Yeah, it was a tease. It was a tease. It was not a payoff, and that's the one reason where I'm thinking, like, well, they might do it again because... The, the 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 character and the dominance and the fear was established. You know what I mean? And, like, Suzuki was shook. So it almost gives you that feeling like they're going to interact again. Whether that really happened, it, but it could be a one-off. Yeah, we, we don't know. Uh, but either way, I think the feud might end up be ending a King of Pro Wrestling. It might. This could be it. And then you'll have um, something new for Wrestle Kingdom. 
Yeah, with Wrestle Kingdom, at that point, there's a couple things that I think they could do. Um, they could do a big match with a big name. Uh, I know a lot of people, I think one of the popular things people would like to see him do is um, him and Tanahashi. Mm-hmm. That's a big, that's a big, that's like a retirement level type of match, and that would be awesome. Um, you know, there's other names people throw around that they'd like to see, you know, Hiromu Takahashi, Will Ospreay, different people like that. And that's all well and good. Um but the other thing too is like, um, when um, when Ricky Choshu retired the first time at the Tokyo Dome, he did a gauntlet match um, full of like proteges and also like uh, legendary uh, foes from his past. I wouldn't be surprised if they end up doing that. That's kind of a New Japan like uh, style thing. I wouldn't be surprised to see them bring back some of his former foes. You know, like a great Sasuke or like a, you know. Any number, you know, who knows? Any yeah. number of guys. They could do something like that for sure. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, and uh, you've got two nights as well to uh, keep that in mind too. So two nights of Wrestle Kingdom. Um, so they could easily, um, you know, do a big match and then maybe do like a gauntlet or something like that. And, you know, the Suzuki thing could even continue to Wrestle Kingdom because of that reason as well. Yeah. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. Looking forward to see what they do. So next Monday, we have the New Japan Road. That's the next tour, New Japan Road. Only one of the shows for the New Japan Road will be airing, and they'll be airing next Monday. And we have the card here. So it's going to open up with Yumura, Kojima, and Tenzon taking on the team of Suji, Nakanishi, and Nagata. Who you got there? Um, You know, this... This one, I'll I'll just go with uh, the Tenkozi team. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Also, the Ooh, next this one's enticing. Yeah, next we got a big singles match: Toa Hanare taking on Shingo Takagi. Um, I'm gonna take Shingo. Yeah, I'm gonna take Shingo as well. I think but that's an exciting matchup. Yeah, I think this is you know he lost to Goto, kind of needs to go back down the rung a little bit. Toa Hanare is a guy that's been looking for opportunity. I think it matches up a great story right here, and I think it's uh, a great way for Shingo to rebound and get himself back into winning ways. Agreed. Then we have Tiger Mask and Jushin Liger versus Kanemaru and Suzuki. Uh, that should be a good match. Um, yeah, that one, you know, at this point, um, I'm almost like any Liger and Suzuki match is going to get thrown out at this point. That's going to be my official prediction until they wrestle. Yeah. Yeah, double DQ. Double DQ. Then we have Sho, Yo, Ishii, and Goto taking on the Bullet Club team of Jado, Gato, Yujiro Takahashi, and Taiji Ishimori. I will go with the team of Ishii, Goto, Sho, and Yo. Yeah, you, you got Gato and Jado. And Yujiro. Oh, yeah, a lot of pin eaters. Yep. I'm sure that's going to be maybe kind of previewing uh, Super Junior Tag League maybe. Sounds like it. Yeah. Do you think Jado and Gato might be in the Junior Tag League? Oh, my God. I hope not. <laughs> they might be. Yeah, I, I hope not, though. I'm going to predict right now that Jado and Gato end up in the uh, Junior Tag League. Don't declare that on us. <laughs> I, I, the, the tea, I see it in the tea leaves. The handwriting's on the wall. It's right there. Don't, don't yeah. you see it in front of you? I do, but I don't want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's what that's what that's what uh, you said to the lady at the mall. <laughs> 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 oh man! 
So next we have Bushi and Naito versus Taichi and Doki. Nice. Uh, Bushi and Naito, Taichi and Doki. I don't know. Um, Naito and Bushi, I guess. Yeah, that, that would make the most sense to me. This is this is like a jap like a really Japanese heavy like road to show like it seems like a lot of the uh, not completely but a lot of the acts that were on the uh, FSU shows are not really here and we we kind of have the other team uh, working this show it seems like a bit yeah so then we have um, Tanahashi is doing the, the series of anniversary matches so this is his twentieth anniversary this will be the third match in the series how many are matches are in the series. Uh, I think it's like six or seven, but but they're not televised. No, no, just this one. Um, but cool. they're, it's all like the combinations of the same guys. So this this one is Tanahashi, Hanma, and Yoshihashi versus Taguchi, Yano, and Makabe. And essentially, it's pretty much all those guys that are just mixed up in different tags th- yeah. throughout this tour. Tanahashi wins. Yeah, and then the main event we have a rematch from. Fighting Spirit Unleashed in New York as Ibushi and Okada will take on Evil and Sonata. Ooh, interesting. Um, I'll take Evil and Sonata, I guess. Yeah, I'll take Evil and Sonata again. I wouldn't be surprised to see Evil pin Ibushi again just to stack the deck against more against Ibushi and make you think Evil is going to take that contract. Nice. And that's going to do it for our New Japan Road preview. Yep. And so got a question here from Howard Schilling. He said, Will the never open weight six man titles change hands again? And if they do, will anybody care? We're about three months. Oh, it's the second question. So, well, first question about the uh, six man titles. Yes, they will change hands because they're the never six man titles and they can change hands at any time. Will anybody care? Probably not. Um, I know that. I always care. (laughs) I like the six man tags. Well, at least somebody does. <laughs> uh, Yano, uh, Makabe, and Taguchi. I don't. It's been a while since they defended those belts. Um, I'm sure there'll be a match at some point coming up soon, and they'll flip the belts. I forgot who the champions were. Like, <laughs> and I think the other week on the show, I like said the same thing. Like, I, I for some reason I can't seem to like remember who the champions are. They haven't defended them in forever, huh? Yeah, it's been a while. Um, then his second question, he says, we're about three months out from Wrestle Kingdom. Give us a bold prediction that you think will happen either in the run-up to the event or at the event itself. Hmm. Bold prediction. I think that we will see my bold prediction. It's not really that bold, but it's just my prediction. We will be seeing Hiromu Takahashi in action at, King, at uh, Wrestle Kingdom this year. Yeah, I'm hoping for that. I'm hoping it's him and uh, Osprey for that junior title. Do you think Shibata's wrestling? Oh, see, I don't want. I'm I'm kind of have mixed feelings. I don't want to, you know, go out and put my name on it and give a bull prediction. Put your name on it <laughs> and say that 100. percent Yes, Shibata is going to wrestle at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, I'll say this. We will see Shibata physically active at Wrestle Kingdom, whether it's a match or a pre or post match angle. I'm sorry, what did you just say? I said that we will see Shibata in some kind of physical activity at Wrestle Kingdom, whether it's a match or a pre or post match angle. 
The reason I was distracted is because there is breaking news. I got to tell you about this. I, I'm sorry. I have to tell you about this. It's not WWE, or it's not New Japan related, but I just have to tell you. So tonight on Raw, they did a, that cutting, or what's it called? What's the Miss show? Uh, the uh, Miss TV. They did Miss TV with Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan. This year at Crown Jewel. No, they're not. <laughs> Those guys aren't wrestling. They're doing an elimination match. Team Flair versus Team Hogan. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, bro, do you think it's going to be a rematch of Flair versus Hogan from Lethal Lockdown? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> or is this a rematch? Wait, are they, are they wrestling or are they just the captains? Bro, I think they're wrestling, bro. Oh, my gosh. Or maybe they're just the captains. I don't know, bro. I don't know. That's ridiculous. Anyway, back to, <laughs> back to New Japan. Uh, we got some news here. <laughs> the uh, who the fuck watches that? <laughs> I don't know. But um, yo AEW, come get these. <laughs> Tony Khan, come get these guys. Oh my god. So uh, last week we had the full King of Pro Wrestling card uh, released. We'll be previewing that full card uh, next week heading into that show. Also, as we mentioned earlier in the show, there was the news breaking of Shota Umino and Ren Narita being on excursion. On NJPW1972.com, there's a column up called The Beast Awakens, Keishan Liger's Fearsome History, kind of giving you some background on Keishan Liger and I just want to point out, I don't think we did a, a victory lap on this. We talked about Keishan Liger months before this happened. Yeah. You did a great description and great backstory on Keishan Liger. You called it, and now all of a sudden everybody's like, have been talking about it. Now that it actually happened. But, bro, we were light years ahead. Literally, months and months and months ago, we talked about Keishan Liger and the potential of him. I actually listened to the show from the week prior to that, uh, to um, Destruction mm-hmm. in um, Destruction in uh, Kobe. In Kobe. And we discussed it and, and we talked about it. And I was like, I was like, we might be seeing Keishan Liger here. When we were doing our previews. I was like, it's going to be, I was like, it's yeah. Like fish. And I was like, I think we might end up seeing Keishan Liger. And then it did happen. And, you know, like, here's the funny thing. I was spoiled. When we watched that live, I was spoiled on Keishan Liger making his appearance. But um, I still, like, popped. Even though I knew it was coming, I didn't expect what we saw. And so <laughs> I had a friend with me, and uh, they knew that I was already spoiled on it. And they were like, man, you really were, like, selling it hard. Like, like." and I was like, no, that was legit. <laughs> Even though I knew it was happening, like, I still couldn't believe my eyes. Like, you don't understand. This never happened. So, yeah, we. I didn't want to do a victory lap on this because it's it, it, it stands on its own. But yeah, you're right. We did. We have been talking about Keishan Liger on the show for a long time, and it did happen. And yeah, I did do the the retrospective on Keishan Liger for sure. So yeah, I'll, I'll take the victory lap for us if you don't if you don't want to take it. <laughs> leg, my legs are. I say it was leg day. You got this one. <laughs> so. uh Next up, we got Okada and Sonata. They're going to be signing their IWGP contract on October 7th in Cork and Hall. So that's one week before the title match. They'll be uh, signing the contract. So I'm guessing that's maybe happening on the New Japan Roadshow. That's in Cork and Hall also. So, yeah, they'll be signing the contract for their uh, big title match. Mm. 
And then in other news, Road to Tokyo Dome will take place across three nights from Thursday, December 19th to Saturday, December 21st, all in Cork and Hall. Stay tuned for more information on what we uh, what will be the three stacked Cork and cards. And then we got big news. Yeah, with uh, New Year's Dash, I know there was um, you know there's a lot of questions on whether or not there would be um, a New Year's Dash, kind of based off of there being uh, two nights in the dome. Well, we have it confirmed from New Japan themselves. New Year's Dash will be happening. It will be happening on January 6th in the Oda City Gymnasium in Tokyo. Okay, listen. Dome season is always really hard because it's always like, all right, I got to watch, like, uh, freaking, you know, Wrestle Kingdom. And then, like, the very next day you have to watch, like, New Year's Dash. This year it's like. Wrestle Kingdom, Wrestle Kingdom, and then you, that's three days in a row. What is that? So Wrestle Kingdom, January fourth is what? Is that a f- Saturday? I don't uh, know. Uh, I think it's a Saturday. Hold on, it's the weekend. I know it's a weekend, but I can't remember which. It's a freaking weekend. Oh, so January fourth is Saturday. So Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the six off and just have a uh, <laughs> Wrestle Kingdom weekend. You're you're. Uh, <laughs> your vacation time is going to regenerate at the start of the year and uh, yeah. six days and you're like day off <laughs> <laughs> dude i get uh 20 days at the start of the year man I, I got plenty of time and plus we're not really traveling for mania so i'll, I'll have plenty of days since uh mania will be here in our home city but yeah new year's dash man happening at the ota gymnasium i, I guess wondering like what kind of like crazy angles are we going to see in a bigger arena you know, that's kind of been the thing in the past. There's been, you know, a complaint with fans, like, that are there for Wrestle Kingdom. They have a hard time getting New Year's Dash tickets in Corkin, and now it's in a bigger setup. More fans are going to be able to get in. Um, it should be an amazing show, depending on whatever angles and stuff they end up doing. So, in other news, we had um, some crazy situation going down in our New Japan's Mexico partner, CMLL. A lot of crazy stuff going on with Dragon Lee and Roosh. If you guys don't know, Dragon Lee and Roosh are brothers. And um, so there was an emergency podcast that was dropped by the Cubs fan this weekend, kind of covering all that was kind of going down. So the gist of it, you probably heard by now that CMLL has publicly uh, fired Dragon Lee and Roosh. And there was a lot of um, reports saying that CMLL told Dragon Lee not to work BOLA. Obviously, he did work Bola, and was they were not very happy with that. And, you know, Roosh was planning on quitting in a long time anyway, and uh, so they ended up just firing Roosh and Dragon Lee and their dad. Um, and so I'm going to read some of the notes here. Very interesting uh, from the Cubs fan on his podcast. Um, so ROH hasn't been happy with CMLL because CMLL has trouble streaming and has caused problems for ROH and ROH management. It feels like they're outdated technology. ROH feels that Roosh is more important to ROH than their working agreement with CMLL is. CMLL is. They'll be willing to lose their relationship with CMLL if Roosh takes off for them. We don't get to use Stuka Jr. anymore, but I'm sorry. We're moving on. For New Japan, they try to talk to them into keeping it at least for January for Fantastic Mania. Because it's still a good tour money-wise, um, but they're not going to stop using Dragon, Dragon Lee regardless. But keeping Dragon Lee might be more important to them than CMLL. CMLL hasn't done a lot for New Japan training-wise uh, for a while either, so losing that relationship won't hurt as much. New Japan's, quote, 
not going to give a shit what CMLL wants because CMLL has no leverage. So if CMLL says they don't, won't do Fantastic Mania, well, that hurts CMLL hugely. It's considered to be a, ma- a massive perk for CMLL talent because it's where they actually make the most of their good money in the year. They sell heaps of merchandise, etc. Um, so losing Fantastic Mania would be a big blow for CMLL and not New Japan. And New Japan will be willing to lose a CMLL deal if they have to in order to keep Dragon Lee. He also thinks it's a red flag that New Japan didn't send Umino or Narita over to CMLL. Um, the middleman with the whole New Japan, CMLL, and ROH deal has been Okamura, who we've seen on Fantastica Mania, and this is not looking good for him. So there's also more notes here. You can check it out. Um, it's been posted um, in the Squared Circle Reddit by Reddit user Yasmin. Um, and also, you know, in the Wrestling Observer, in the Daily Update, they also, actually in the this past week's newsletter, they had a lot of information about what's kind of going on uh, since Sofia Alonzo has taken over and just um, some different changes in pay and some of the younger guys getting their, you know, younger top stars getting their pay cut and um, just some more information about, you know, Dragon Lee being pulled from shows after Bowl and all that good stuff. So, yeah, man, a lot of controversy going down in CMLL. Uh, had a question here from Asayo Jimbo. What do you think about CMLL releasing Roosh and Dragon Lee? And do you think they should sign with New Japan? And then from Reddit user, why did you do that, bro? He says, do you think Dragon Lee will sign with New Japan full-time now? He can no longer do CMLL. Ah, uh, man, this whole thing is uh, really crazy. Um, you know, I'm not really sure um, what this really means, like, long-term. And, you know, I, I did see the stuff that was reported by uh, Cubs fan. I also saw the... Uh, Heard some of the the comments and reports that uh, Wrestling Observer had, you know, on this. They weren't exactly the same, but a lot of the information was pretty similar. So, I mean, the gist of it basically is that um, with the changing of the guard from CMLL, um, with the passing of Paco Alonso, um, the company has kind of really changed its stance on how the foreign relations of their individual wrestlers, uh, you know, basically how they're going to handle that sort of thing. And what it seems like to a degree, the company is a little bit sort of extorting a lot of the wrestlers. Like they're taking a, they want to basically control all the dates that they do internationally, especially in the States. Right. And they want to get a percentage, a higher if, percentage. If you book them. Yeah. Yeah. And they, I think they always did usually get a percentage for the wrestlers that they booked, but they want to make it so that, those who didn't need the company who could book themselves outside like Dragon Lee and Roosh, yeah. Guys like that. And Roosh really wasn't the issue because Roosh isn't taking uh independent dates really. He's working exclusively through Ring of Honor, which is what the company what CMLL would actually prefer because it, it strengthens the relationship. But um yeah, for for guys who are able to make a name of for themselves outside of the company, they don't really want them doing that. So they want to basically control all the bookings outside. They also want to take a, a larger cut. And then there were some other things. I can't remember everything off the top of my head. Also, there was the whole thing with like their independent bookings. So it's almost like a WWE situation. Oh, yeah, yeah. They can't wrestle anyone other than CMLL wrestlers uh, in Mexico. Right. Yeah. So before they could wrestle, I think Triple A was the only exception. They couldn't wrestle Triple A guys, but they could wrestle like indie guys, like the guys from The Crash and stuff like that. Yep. But now they can only wrestle other CMLL guys which that's that really has never been the case and to 
just to put in perspective, what you have to understand is that um, CMLL to a degree is in some, it's somewhat similar to how New Japan runs their business. Like uh, it's, they do have television and it's weekly and I believe they have two, maybe even sometimes three weekly shows. Yeah. It's like, isn't it like Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, something like that? Something like that. Yeah, exactly. But the thing is, you're not always used as a talent and they are treated a bit more like independent contractors there. The thing though, is that you in Mexico wrestling is so popularized and there are so many independent wrestling shows and they're not even like quote unquote promotions. They're just like, there's a show in Tijuana. There's a show over here. There's a show over here, blah, 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 blah. If you're, if you're, uh, you know, one of these wrestlers who are looking to fill your, your time up and your dates, you can get dates all over Mexico. Like you don't have to go anywhere else. You can be just in Mexico and you can work all sorts of independent dates to feed yourself and your family. And it's like, if the company is now telling you, you can only wrestle other CMLL contracted wrestlers. I mean that there, then that means you might not even be able to take dates at a lot of these smaller shows. Cause maybe you're the one big talent that they were going to bring right. in the, the headline. The one CMLL guy that they were. Right. Yeah. And, and, and now they're now, what if it's like a little, you know, a little promotion in Jalisco and they can't afford to pay two CMLL guys to wrestle on top in their car. Like, you know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's kind of problematic. It, it hurts the, uh, the earning ability of um, some of these guys. And also like, you know, there was reports just a few years ago that like a lot of Mexican wrestlers weren't going to keep wrestling in Mexico or, and also a lot of um, foreign talents that were going to Mexico didn't want to go there because the, uh, the value of the peso dropped in comparison um, so so drastically to other places that it wasn't worth actually going there and a lot of that's why you see guys like Dragon Lee and Roosh and, and different people like that looking for outside opportunities because the money is actually better outside of Mexico so it does kind of I mean I get what they're doing from a business perspective I do kind of get it but um, it seems like that company is in turmoil and it, it, it all has to do with Paco Alonso dying uh, and yeah the uh, a lot of the reports are saying that they're really um, they're paying the older wrestlers a lot more, and mm-hmm. then they're giving pay cuts to the, the younger top, wrestlers. Yeah, the younger top talent, yeah, yeah, and it's their top guys. Like so, it it, it is kind of surprising because they Roosh is their biggest draw. Yeah, he's their biggest star, and I would say Dragon Lee is probably one. Of he's their, one of them, the best workers. He's one of their biggest stars too. Or yeah. he's one of their bigger draws. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, the public firing and uh, Dragon Lee has made it very clear that he wants to work for New Japan. Uh, tweeted out some stuff about um, Hiromu. There was actually a tweet that uh, I saw it. that I put in our, our Twitter account that I used uh, good old Google Translate to uh, get the translation here. But he uh, posted a picture of him and Hiromu. And let me pull this up real quick. Um so yeah, here's a tweet here. Yeah, he you know posted a picture of him and uh, Hiromu facing off, and he said, uh, "No company is going to prevent the love we have in this fight. We are a mirror. We are a mirror. We are both ambitious. Wait for me soon. I will arrive." So yeah, Dragon Lee's made it very clear that he wants to continue to compete for New Japan. New Japan made it very clear they still plan on using Dragon Lee. There is a poster that's going around for the Super Junior Tag League that features Dragon Lee and Teton. Um, so that apparently seems to be the plan for that for that team there. Um, 
so yeah, it seems like regardless what Dragon Lee is going to be landing in New Japan, and New Japan definitely should shine sign him. Well, the other interesting thing too, and we didn't discuss this, Roosh won the Ring of Honor World Title this past uh, what Friday night. Yeah, uh, Death Before Dishonor. He defeated Matt Taven, and probably which was the best Matt Taven match I've probably ever seen. Um, it was really good, uh, solid main event, and switched the belts. So a lot of a lot of this is interesting not just from a CMLL and Mexico perspective, but also for those of us, obviously we're all aware that CMLL, Ring of Honor, New Japan have this sort of trifecta, uh, you know, partnership. And it's like, okay, well, they fired two guys that are both extremely important to their U.S. and Japanese partners. Um, Roosh specifically is one of the guys that uh, Ring of Honor has huge plans for going forward. They put the title on him. <laughs> yeah. And then the same weekend they put the title on on him, he gets fired from CMLL and then and he was gonna leave anyways, but still, regardless. And then um, you know, Dragon Lee, obviously, like he's the one. He's the only guy from CMLL in the past years that they look at look at the point totals he gets during Best of Super Juniors. It tells you that they see uh, more in him than they do um any of the other towns. Like you you're not seeing like Caristico or, uh, you know, Volador Jr. or Stuka Jr. Any of these guys, you know, um, making, you know, consistent tours in Japan. Like, they, they just don't. Like, the one guy is Dragon Lee. And I got to tell you, like, they now I understand that Cubs fan has kind of said what the uh, viewpoint is, but I didn't see him, like, give a source for it or anything like that. So yeah. I'm not going to sit here and say it's, like, 100%, but I could tell you – my opinion, I think there's no way they're going to stop using Dragon Lee just because he's not with CMLL. There's, oh, yeah. There's no way that's happening. And, uh, but something else interesting is, so CMLL, they own the trademark for Roosh and Dragon Lee's names. That's fine. So it, it's going to be interesting to see, especially because Ring of Honor they just did TV tapings, and Roosh and Dragon Lee are both on there, and they use they still use those names. I do know that Roosh has taken some independent Mexico bookings using El Toro Blanco, which is his nickname as his um, his new name. So also, you wonder like I don't know what the international copyright laws are. Talking about for like Lij, uh, not oh, not even just for that. For um, you know, if you own a name, mm. how is that international? Is that just in Mexico? I mean, what where does that copyright and trademark uh, extend to? You know, and, yeah. and is it? Are they allowed to use it on independent book? Are they allowed to use their names on independent bookings? Are they allowed to use them on television internationally? I don't know. I don't know the legalities there, but we saw the same thing happen with uh, with uh, Phoenix and Pentagon a few years ago, right? And still, because I think Pentagon is still being booked as like El Penta Zero M, yeah, El, yeah. El Penta Zero M or Pentagon Dark or whatever, right. yeah. Um, so and then Ray Phoenix, you know, King Phoenix. So I mean, yeah. They'll be fine. Yeah, they'll be fine. I'm just, I just wanted that out there so fans, people know that that might be a name change might be coming. It's because you're a great pro- you're, <laughs> you're a great podcaster. That's why. And then uh, only the best. Uh, thank you. Uh, New Japan does owe the trademark though for Los Ingobernables de Japón. Nice. So there's no no worry there. I mean, and I don't. I Rush really isn't that invested in Japan. Yeah, Rush he, he doesn't want to go to New Japan. He doesn't like the style. He's not a big fan of working in Japan. So to him, he wants to stay in Ring of Honor and kind of try and build that promotion up. Dragon Lee will probably end up signing a dual contract so he can be with his brother, Roosh, um, and then also continue to work New Japan. 
Um, and then very interesting, their their other brother, uh, Mystico, he will be staying with CMLL, and he wasn't part of the firing. So hmm. kind of interesting thing any, there. Any other final thoughts on this? Yeah, it's just a kind of a crazy thing. I mean, CMLL is like one of the world's oldest wrestling organizations, and with all this, you know, talk with financial issues and losing top stars and and the rumor is that there's going to be more more departures in the near future yeah um it's not looking good i mean we could see this promotion just implode within the next year no no we won't they'll never they'll never be gone they're huge they've they, they yeah they're having issues but i can guarantee you cmll is not going to implode like they they might have issues but like it is a it's a financially like stable and viable company. Well, they might not implode, but they'll definitely be kind of less on the radar. For sure. I, I feel like their relationships with Ring of Modern and New Japan has kind of helped get them out and has helped expose their, their product and some of their guys. And without that, those deals, it's going to be, I think, pretty hard going for those some of those guys. I totally agree. I totally agree with that. Just the idea, though, of like them, uh, I think it should just be said here on the podcast, the idea that they, that like, they'll be gone or something like that, you know, that will probably never happen. Honestly, like the ties that they have to the, um, oh, what do you call it? To the tourism market in Mexico city. Yes, they are inconsistent with their, the numbers they draw, but at the same time, let's be clear. They draw stronger live gate numbers than any other wrestling company in the world. And they have good distribution in their countries, they're not going anywhere. But you're right. As far as their visibility in the States and, and abroad and uh, maybe even their drawing. Because right. they're and maybe and maybe even like quality of matches. And the quality of matches. With top guys going, they're going to have to probably bring in some, sign some independent guys or sign some younger guys. And At the same time, though, from what we've seen on those uh, – you know, Fantastic Mania tours. They've got a ton of young guys down there that they can bolster up and bring up. But you're right. Like, this this might affect their business, but they're not going anywhere. Yeah. Well, you miss the Fantastic Mania tour if it doesn't happen next year. Yeah. I, I like Fantastic Mania tour. I mean, like, I'll be fine if it's gone, but, like, at the same time, like, it, it is a good time to, like, give guys a reprieve from, you know, from the Dome season, especially with them doing more uh, yeah. during Dome season. I just wonder what they would fill that time with right like i wonder if they end up doing some other kind of road tour it might be a, it might be a good opportunity for them to do something or you know during that time period that would be cool if they if there's something that, that they could fill the time with but um at the same time like yeah i like fantastic mania yeah. i do yeah it's a fun tour i mean yeah i, I would miss it but I'm, I'm not gonna be like completely heartbroken you know as long as we get dragon lee year round <laughs> i'd be cool with that yeah so so, yeah, that wraps things up for the news. And before we head out, we have our recommended match of the week. And it's my turn to pick the recommended match of the week. And since we are on the road to King of Pro Wrestling, I thought it would be a great idea to kind of look at some of the King of Pro Wrestling main events. So my pick for this week is the 2014 King of Pro Wrestling main event. It was the IWGP Championship match, the champion AJ Styles defending against Hiroshi Tanahashi. AJ being accompanied by Jeff Jarrett. Yes, in case you didn't know or in case you forgot, Jeff Jarrett was a part of the Bull Club for a brief stint when he had that um, short partnership between GFW and New Japan. And 
Um, he was out there, and it was. I thought it was a, a great main event. Um, I'd probably go like four and a half, four seven five on it. Um, just AJ is just an incredible worker, and obviously so is Tanahashi. And they they've had several great matches together, and I thought this one was, uh, you know, another great one hat that they had. And so go ahead and check that out. King of Pro Wrestling, twenty fourteen IWGP title match: AJ Styles and Roshi Tanahashi. Absolutely. So next week we'll be back to review. Uh, the New Japan Road Show, and to preview King of Pro Wrestling. Make sure you connect with us on social media. On Twitter, I'm at Jeremy L. Donovan. The show is at KI Strong Style. You can follow, also follow us at Social Suplex. On Facebook, we are facebook.com slash social suplex. You can also find us in the Wrestling Squared Circle group, facebook.com slash group slash wrestling squared circle. On Reddit, I am the pro black guy. Josh is keeping it strong style. You can email me, Jeremy, at socialsuplex.com. Make sure you check out all the other shows here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. On Sundays, we have One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Vlada and James Boyd. On Wednesdays, we have the Ricky and Clyde Wrestling Show from Scotland. Every other Wednesday, we have our podcast dedicated to independent wrestling, Grown Men Watch This Shit, hosted by Jeremy Tate and Chris Bryant. On Thursdays, uh, we have nothing right now. On Fridays, we have Get In The Ring <laughs> with Danny and Beast Mike. And on Saturday, we have All Things Elite with Floyd Johnson Jr., Amy O., and Tiffany. And actually, I think that, uh, you know, I know Floyd and uh, Tiffany will be at the AW premiere on Wednesday. I think they'll be doing a live podcast right afterwards. So stay tuned for that. I heard a rumor we might be filling up some of those time slots. Well, maybe. I know there are some free agents. There have been some free agents that have been released into the marketplace. So who knows? (laughs) And then also there's been talks of a potential Wednesday Night War podcast. Here on the network, so who's uh, been talking about that? No one talks. No one ever talks to me about anything, bro. This happens in the group chats, bro. I can't be in the group <laughs> chats. I got a life to live. Uh, so yeah, don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. We'll catch you next week on Keeping a Strong Style, the Ace of Podcasts. Goodbye. Good night. Bang. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time. <laughs>